Hi, I'm Colby Armstrong, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Monday is here, and man, do I got a great one for you today. Uh, first off, a happy belated Mother's Day to all the ladies out there. I know I am married to one of the best, I had, uh, and I had one of the best growing up. So happy belated Mother's Day. Hopefully you all got spoiled. You all deserve it. Um, Let's get on to our sponsors of today's show. Lloyd Minster Regional Health Foundation would like to thank our local healthcare team who responded so quickly to the COVID-19 pandemic. Our local hospital leaders moved fast to secure life-saving supplies for our frontline staff, and within days our hospital had a strong stock of life-saving supplies from the local community, and this happened because of you, our donors. Hats off to all of you that donated. Uh, thanks to the strong support from all of our donors over many years, our frontline workers are empowered to care uh, for all of us through the Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation. If you're looking for ways to help, a uh, COVID-19 emergency fund has been started. While there is no pressure to give in these uncertain times, uh, we are taking donations to cover a variety of items that have been purchased or are still needing to be purchased. Uh, if you're interested, you can donate. Uh, either by calling 306-820-6161 or visiting online at lrhf.ca backslash donate. Chris Weeb, Kiva Concrete, open for business, specialty in commercial, agriculture, and residential. Basement floors, driveways, sidewalks, patios, garage pads, shops, barns, and countertops. Essentially, if you can dream it, they can do it. Give the boys a call, 780-871-1083. Kenny Rutherford, Rutherford Appraisal Group. In these difficult times, if you're in need of any appraisal work from bank loans, setting a fair purchase price, whether you're buying or selling any type of real estate, shop, homes, farms, cabins, restaurants, etc., give the K-Man a call. That's Kenny, 306-307-1732. Carly Clausen and the Windsor Plywood team open regular business hours. Call ahead so they can help with physical distancing. They have curbside pickup or free in-town delivery while this current situation is at hand. Colin Ringette, CR Sales and Marketing, is hoping everyone is staying healthy and safe. If you're looking for a unique and cost-effective approach to sales and marketing within the oil and gas industry, give Colin a call, 780-871-1417. Corey Dubik, Midwest Flooring, open regular business hours. You can either call, stop in, or shop online. Uh, Abbey Road Flowers and Gifts. I really hope everybody went and bought some flowers for their uh, mothers. They're temporary closed walk-ins, but are doing curbside pickup and free in-town delivery. They're open 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Give them a call, 780-875-2211. I don't think you need a special occasion to buy that significant other some flowers, folks. Just, just throwing out some life advice to you. Wandering Wild has teamed up with Let's Walk to Talk. Uh, they got tons of tons of clothing, guys. If you look them up online, anything you buy off the wa Let's Walk to Talk gear, ten dollars goes back to Let's Walk to Talk. But they got lots of cool stuff. I'm uh, currently wearing one of their hockey life hats. It's pretty kick ass. Grid Athletics, check them out on Instagram or Facebook. They still have a great deal going on. Or if you spend $100, you get uh, a $25 gift card back to a local business here in Lloyd of your choosing. Factory Sports, Taylor Holt and Nathan Mullet, give them boys a call. They'll get you hooked up here for all your summer needs. I know we're all talking about ball and whether that's going to get going. Uh, they got it all there. If you need a bike, you know, there's ton man, there was a ton of bikers out today. We took the kids for a bike. 
tons of people out there. If you're looking for some new wheels, take a, take a look at Factory Sports. Give them a call, 306-825-7678. Now here's the Factory Sports tale of the tape. The guy on the show today won a Memorial Cup in 2001 in overtime. Won the last game of the year, 6-5 in overtime. Ooh, what a what a night that would have been. In 2001, same year, he was drafted 21st overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he wouldn't crack the lineup until 2005-06 season, um, where he would begin his career uh, in the NHL, that is, and he'd play the next three years. Oh, wait, he played on the line with Sidney Crosby. In 08, uh, he was traded at the deadline for Marion Hosa. He played the next two years for the Atlanta Thrashers. During uh, these years, 2007 and 2009, he'd play in two world championships for Canada and take home a gold in 2007. 2010 to 12, saw him play in Toronto for the Maple Leafs. And 2012-13, he ended his career for the Montreal Canadians. Now you can find him on Sportsnet or as an analyst for Pittsburgh Penguins games. I'm talking uh, about no other than Kobe Armstrong. I had a blast doing this uh, this one, folks. I won't hold it up any longer. So without further ado. Appreciate you sitting down with me tonight. It's a pleasure to have you on. I, I, I got the opportunity to sit and watch you this morning, do your little... Uh, home show whatever you guys are doing <laughs> yeah. now in sports net come riding up on a horse and you have me chuckling so appreciate you <laughs> hopping on yeah yeah no it's uh, i got a lot of downtime right now things kind of obviously just halted with work and the pause with nhl and um yeah that's what we're doing now exactly what you and i are doing and they're putting it online or they're using it to try to build content for other things and um you know everyone had to kind of you know, adapt on the fly to what was going to happen. Like I live in Pittsburgh, so I'm sure you guys are getting all the great eighties and nineties games of the past. And, <laughs> you know, that's what we're left with right now. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a job that I've really loved doing and being involved in hockey still. And now it's just different. I'm stuck at home with my four kids and I sneak away to hide and go to work and uh, record a few things every once in a while from home. So this is the life we're in right now. How, uh, I got three kids under four, so I, I feel your pain. Yeah, how, you're how's, yeah, you're how, how's being at home uh, with four children full time? <laughs> yeah, I have a, a nine-year-old boy who uh, I got to drag him out of his room most days. He's on his fortnight with his buddies, get him to do his homework, get him to, to try to do something normal. We're stuck at home. And then uh, I got three daughters, so from six, four, and three years old daughters. So, um, yeah, we're fairly busy, constantly cleaning up dishes like crazy. Somehow laundry is like a massive thing still. We're not going anywhere, but uh, it does keep you pretty busy. I just did some baths for some of the girls just now. So I just got down here in time uh, to talk to you. But yeah, it's they're, they're full days for sure when you're at home and I appreciate when they get to school and how nice that little break is during the day. And well, you, you kind of think back, like I always complain to my, my mom and dad and you know, my dad's from Lloyd, but I complained to him. And I remember one time I uh, was complaining about something and recently, and he started laughing. <laughs> and I said, what are you laughing about? He goes, payback's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm like, yep, 
yeah, you got to think back to the way you were with your parents and how were you at those ages and, uh, you know, going through a, a global pandemic, being stuck at home all this time is a lot of parents are trying to keep them busy and stay on top of things. And I'm in that boat right now. Yeah, I was uh, doing a little bit of digging on you uh, yesterday <laughs> and then today. And and uh, I had the wife was in a, as a teacher. And so she had some developmental course today so she was downstairs trying to work and i'm trying to like listen to a couple things and i got a four-year-old on one side a two-year-old on the other and i've got the little baby trying to feed him trying not to lose my absolute top as i try and listen to something yeah. like, i don't even know what it's i'm doing impossible. <laughs> it's, it's impossible man it's like you gotta find a place to hide you know you gotta find a place to hide even for like them like go in your room for just a bit like you need your own time so I think that's been important through this as well. But uh, I feel your pain, man. That's that's those are tight ages with three kids, right there with your hands full. Yeah, I'm trying to everyone's trying to work from home right now. It's just wild. It's just absolutely wild. So hopefully we can start digging ourselves out of this. I know here in Pennsylvania, I'll say this: we had people golfing. We opened up the golf courses finally here on Friday, and I live on a golf course out here. And just to see like people coming by and golfing is like live sports, right? So I got live sports now. It's really cool. Uh, but just to see like people moving about like kind of some kind of normalcy starting to take over. Uh, it's like, it's like a, it's like a shot of adrenaline almost. It's like life blasts in you. It's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, your engine starts ticking a little bit. So it's uh, hopefully we can get back, um, you know, to a little bit of normalcy. I know it's going to take some time, but uh, it was nice to see people out golf and I haven't been out yet. Obviously four kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm screwed. They're just starting to, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan just starting to open golf courses here in May. Nice. But, good. But, I'll, but I'll give you a nice visual. Yesterday was my birthday. And for my birthday, yeah. I got to hide away from the kids for the day. Go out in the outback of Saskatchewan with a 22, a box full of shells, and a full case of Pilsner. And shoot gophers all day. It was beautiful. <laughs> there, happy birthday. Yeah, there you go. That's good for you. Well, turkey season opened up here on saturday so that's that's big here so i'm sure there's lots of guys just waiting for turkey season to open up and i know my father-in-law and a bunch of my buddies went out with their kids and stuff so that's uh that's saving a lot of people's lives too getting out there going uh <laughs> just sit, sitting in the woods and calling in some turkeys i know that people are enjoying that right now too so we got golf and turkey season that's big <laughs> right on from Pittsburgh. that's awesome yeah, yeah. um now <laughs> With with what we do here is we kind of go back over your guys' career. I know uh, you'd mentioned listening to Maple Top um, talk about the Rebels. I I'm, I'm curious. So everywhere that I look, and you mentioned your dad's from Lloyd. Everywhere says you're from Lloyd. And every time I've yeah, seen yeah. you on Sportsnet where they bring that up, you kind of correct them and be like, "Well, kind of, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. really." So, <laughs> yeah. are you from Lloyd? Well, I was born in Lloyd. So the story is my parents my dad's from Lloyd lived in Paradise Hill though at the time my dad was playing hockey out there and working on the patch and my mom was teaching skating out in Paradise Hill uh and then we moved to Ontario for like a year and then we moved to Saskatoon and that's where I grew up once I started school so I was raised in uh Saskatchewan let's just put it that way and grew up and played minor hockey and went through school in Saskatoon and that's you know where we live my parents still live there now my sister still lives there um try to get back every summer at least now and when I played I had a place there and lived there all the time so um spent uh some some weeks 
every summer as a kid as well up at Loon Lake where my aunt and uncle have a place up there and been up there quite a bit. I know, I think Holpe's family, his grandparents own a place just on the corner for my aunt and uncle. So I saw him while he was going through the junior ranks. Didn't see him too much after that, mostly in Saskatoon, working out and playing some summer hockey when he was there. But man, he's turned out to be a hell of a player, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, just uh, in and around that area has kind of been, um, you know, where we've, where we've kind of hung out uh, as a family, obviously grew up and, and spent summers. Yeah, and Loon Lake's a beautiful spot. Uh, awesome, awesome place. Now, did I hear your mom was a, a skating coach? Is that figure skating? Yeah, that's figure skating and uh, obviously got into like coaching, uh, you know, hockey and power skating with, the, with a lot of hockey players and, and does that a lot in Saskatoon now, but mostly just a bunch of, I think mostly just little kids right now. Um, and she has like a, I think a few figure skaters that are a little bit older that she still teaches and coaches. So yeah, she's been doing, I don't even know how many years she's been doing that, but well before I think she ended up in Lloydminster and then ended up in Paradise Hill long, a little bit before that. So far before I was born, she's been, and she's still, she's still going, she's still going in Saskatoon. She's still working and skating and bending over to talk to stop those kids and <laughs> picking kids up and shooing parents away. <laughs> So yeah, it's still it's still going on for her. I assume with her being a skating coach, you were on ice then at a very early age. Yeah, look, we have pictures from the old Paradise Hill rink of uh, my my sister and my brother and I just on the boards and skating in the rink with my mom and dad and uh, can skate out in in uh, Paradise Hill and in the carnival Paradise Hill. Like, uh, there's some funny pictures. There is some funny pictures, and she did. She did eventually coax me into into becoming a figure skater uh, as well. So I was doing hockey and I was doing figure skating, but it all started just kind of, I was a rink rat, you know, I grew up yeah. at the rink with my mom and, uh, you know, even at, at, when we moved to Saskatoon, as I got older, summer skating school was there, all the figure skaters came in from all over the place and they were there for a couple months all summer training and working. And I was at the rink all day, all the time, hanging out, hanging out with all the figure skaters and, skating like four times a day it was it was kind of the way we grew up yeah it was our it was our life uh living at the rink uh, a lot of small town kids can relate that's i have four, four <laughs> yeah. older siblings that all played hockey and uh, my sister figure skated so we never left the rink as yeah a kid. and even in the summer i know i went back to paradise hill a few times like just small town right but this happens everywhere like they take the ice out and that thing's like a party machine at the rink right like there you hold all the carnivals, all the gatherings, all the, you know, weddings, uh, you know, they have it all going down in the rink and, and the doors are open and it's like, come one, come all in and out. You can go in any room you want. It's not like, it's not shut down to anything. Like it's just full community center. So, um, I always found it like fun to get back to, you know, when we went to Lloyd to visit my, my, uh, my grandpa or my aunt and uncle or go up to paradise hill and go to like a, my dad's hawks reunion or whatever it is when he played senior hockey out there it's, it was always fun getting back to those places and meeting all my parents friends that they had in those days and see how they rip it up get the polka music going and have a good time your old man used to play for the hawks then back in the day yeah he did and i think he coached as well so the weird the weird circle of like small town and hockey and is like justin mapletoft my dad and his dad are good friends and i think Frank, his dad ended up coaching my dad for the Hawks, and then I they may have coached together. I don't know exactly the whole thing. And then in in Lloyd, there's um, 
I don't know if my dad played with Sam Chapman, who's there too, and who uh, I think, or Greg Chapman, and his Greg brother yep. Blair, who got who lives in Pittsburgh here, who I ended up meeting when my dad just retired from work. And he got drafted like second overall to in the WHA and the first overall WHA, second overall NHL draft pick. And um, yeah, and uh, played in St. Louis and here in Pittsburgh, but uh, played with all these guys and like Wade Redden's old man, Gordo. And, yeah, Gordo. Uh, so it's like a weird, it's like a weird, uh, small town family of hockey and I ended up playing and winning a Memorial cup with Justin years later and playing against Wade and, um, you know, following Wade all the way up. I thought Wade was the best, you know, coming up through, you know, peewee come to a hockey tournament when I was just a little kid, I'd be begging to be like their stick boy or water boy for their peewee team. And, and I mean, he was, he was the man as a young guy, obviously as well. So, um, yeah, he's been, he's been like a favorite of mine since I've, I've been real young and obviously watch him get drafted as high as he did in the career that he was able to have was awesome. Such a good guy and still stay in touch with him now. Yeah, it's too bad they, you know, and Wade probably hates hearing this. And if he's listening to this, I apologize, Wade. But <laughs> they got so close to winning a cup. Oh. Like, Hillmond would have came off the freaking moorings if uh, that would have happened. <laughs> well, with Holtby, when Holtby won, when they had the cup out in Lashburn, yeah. it yeah. was – unbelievable how many people went out there it was unbelievable yeah they got a mural yeah, painted saw. on them uh, on the the train uh, uh over cross crossing and they got this big yeah. beautiful mural of them painted now and you're like yeah you know it's it's funny because like you see all these kids now that go away to these like academies and all this stuff and they and they take off or they have to move or you know there's different cir circumstances the game's kind of different now but I mean, it does take like a, it takes like a, a town to raise a guy, you know, it's not just the parents. Cause I, I was getting picked up. My parents could, you know, we weren't well off. It's, it's hard, you know, to get the, get ice and to, you know, get the practices where your parents are working and, and to make it happen. So, you know, those guys on your teams and in those communities and everyone that supports you and, you know, the one kid to maybe come out of those small towns, they're pretty, um, you know, the, your community is pretty behind you as probably being the greatest hockey player to ever play. And, uh, you know, it showed when I saw some of the video and, and the lines that, uh, you know, for Holpe and other guys that bring cups back to their small towns or the places where they're from and, you know, want to show it off to their friends and family and their community. It's, that's what it's all about, man. And, you know, that's why it's always, I always loved getting home in the summer when I was away because it's always great just to get back to like where I'm from, get back to Saskatchewan and, see it and feel it and chat with the people. And, and that's why we ended up in Pittsburgh, actually. Just the people here just remind me a lot of being back home. My wife's from Pennsylvania, but just like, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, 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 it's comfortable. And that's the way Saskatchewan people make you feel. And, uh, and, I, and you see it in those small towns. It's awesome. <laughs> so what do I got, a visitor? You got a visitor. I'm working here. You gotta go. You gotta go. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> That's my second oldest. That's Sorry, awesome. Mila. <laughs> Your daughter's name is Mila. Mila, yeah. Our daughter's name is Mila. That's small world. Yeah, we got a cruise: a Mila, a Liv, and a Lucy. Yeah, that's our that's our crew. That's awesome. That that right there just made my day. I my wife literally <laughs> sent me today uh, a guy on like NBC or whatever. He's sitting there talking and he's trying to give like a. Uh, you know, this complicated answer. And all of a sudden you see yeah. like his two-year-old come walking in and he's like, I apologize. 
I apologize. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. on one of those rollers, whatever they're called, where the kid can sit and move his legs and it rolls around, all of a sudden, like a one year old just comes strolling in by himself. You're like, and then the nanny comes in and she's caught on camera and she's like, oh my God, she's trying to grab them and pull them all out. <laughs> yeah, that's. I, I saw that clip too. That is hilarious. And that was just funny because that's from working from home, but now everyone's doing it. So I can imagine everyone's uh, Zoom calls or whatever they're doing when they're actually trying to, you know, work deals or, you know, keep business alive. And uh, you've got the whole family walking in and out of your Zoom shot. So we're well, here. You hear some funny stories, people with no pants on and everything, right? That's right. Girls, well, you gotta go. <laughs> Lucy, go, go. Go see mom. It's honestly, I find it really refreshing. Uh, you know, you, you watch you guys on Sportsnet, right? And you guys yeah. always have like these magnificent, magnificent sets. And they're so like, yeah, they are like just, they're just amazing. Right. Everything's so professional. Yeah. And now nobody can really, everybody's, everyone's like, well, what, what can we do? Right. This is what we got to do with. So now this is what see, I did. This is what I did. I took my jerseys. They were sitting on the floor in the basement. I'm like, well, if I got to do stuff from home, I'm going to make it look like a hockey man cave kind of, and it's not, but I just did that behind me. I hung some jerseys up for the places that I, that I've spent some time and played. So it made, made it look cool if I'm going to be doing this kind of stuff. Oh man. Well, it looks really good. I just, I go back to, I think, it, <laughs> I think it uh, makes you guys feel uh, a little more relatable when you got kids rolling into shots. Cause that's, yeah. that's all of us right now. Everybody's dealing with that right now. I can't imagine yeah. my wife's on maternity leave. We extended it, but I'm trying to think right now. I'm like, I cannot imagine if we were both working full time with three kids and how do you, <laughs> how do you do that? Right? Like you're trying yeah. to be on like a work conference call and she's doing something. It's like, so who's watching the kids, right? You can't put the kids anywhere cause there's nowhere for them to go. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we're making it work, man. Aren't we? We're making it work. <laughs> We're making it work like our parents made it work when they were battling all the time when they were uh, raising us. So I guess uh, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? Here's, here's, uh, it's 1997. Go back to 1997. Okay. Yeah. The Bantam draft just happened in 2020 here. Yeah. Crazy. Where were you when the Bantam draft happened and you got taken <laughs> uh, in round six? Yeah. Round third overall. I don't even know how many rounds were there even. I don't even know if there were that many rounds, which is, I was pretty late pick. <laughs> you were still picked. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was really cool. I was shooting hoops down the street at my buddy's house, Brian Heisler, who I spent a lot of time at his place shooting hoops. He had a nice basketball hoop in his driveway. And I was down there playing rebound with a few of my buddies and no big deal. And I remember my sister came running down the street. You got to come home. Nice. We we're in the middle of a game. I didn't understand. I didn't even know like the draft was happening. You know, it was just like <laughs> one of those things. And uh, I think that's a fairly common story. Not like it is today, but it. Uh, I got home and they told me I got drafted to the Red Deer Rebels or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's great. And that was like it. And I went back down the street and started shooting hoops. <laughs> like I was just like didn't register. You know, I was like. It was like whatever. Like the only thing that I'd really seen at that time too is Saskatoon Blades. I and mean, growing up there. I mean, they were, they were hot. Like they just got Sask place and it was, I mean, it was packed to the top every night for the games back then and watching those guys. So that was kind of NHL hockey for me as a kid and obviously watch hockey in Canada on TV, but you know, making it to the Western hockey league was like, if you could, you know, it was awesome. So uh, it didn't really register that it, like a draft meant anything, but uh, nonetheless, it was, it was still pretty cool. Um, 
you know, to be, to be selected. Uh, and, and yeah, like middle of the sixth round, I believe I was, I was taken. Um, so whatever that means when you go to camp, uh, uh, did it mean anything when you went to camp? Um, not really. And, and I went there too, like, um, like Maple Toff had played as a 16 year old there and, you know, they had Steve and Pete, they had all like, they had all these, like, they had good players, but they're all like tough. They were really tough. And I was, I was small at the time. I was actually hilarious story. So I went to my first camp ever. I got to play a main camp game playing against all the big guys and like their fight, like there was fights all the time. It was crazy. It was like kind of from like the old Western hockey league. And it's, it's, it was starting to transition a little bit of a different game, but it was still, it was still crazy. Like my first year was the first year that we went back to warming up where two teams are on the ice for warmups instead of doing like the split team warmups, just in case there was absolute gong shows and warmups, which was so weird, right? Like you warm up and then you come off and have to wait like 45 minutes to an hour before you got to back on the ice and start the game. That's how crazy it was. That's how they had to do it to keep the team separated. But you know, going to camp like that. And I was really small, six round pick, um, really, really skinny. Like I was like 135 pounds, five, nine, five, 10, looks like smaller guy. And, uh, I grew a bunch the next year and they said they wanted me to put on 10 pounds when I came back from my 16 year old year. And it was still like Terry Simpson running the team and Wayne Simpson. And, uh, I came back as for my 16 year old year. And I, I, uh, I, I was laying in the parking lot on the back of my buddy's truck, Michael Garnett, a goalie that we had with us at the time, who ended up playing in the NHL uh, for a bit and then had a great career over in Russia. But we drove up from Saskatoon together and I was in the back of his, uh, his dad's truck with my legs up in the air on my back. And my dad's a welder and he got the guy at work to melt down these uh, little lead plates. And they're taping these lead plates to the inside of my thighs. So when I went in for to weigh in I gained 10 pounds <laughs> and I'll never forget I it was like so funny like calls me into the room the head coach there and uh Terry and he's like wants to just talk to a few of us young guys and he's like go ahead take a seat so I sat down in the lead plates when you sit down you know it pinched me and I was like sitting there I was like oh my goodness like what am I doing I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get busted you know like <laughs> what's going on right now so that's how I gained 10 more pounds. And they were thrilled with that when I showed up to camp for my, uh, my second camp as, as a 16 year old. <laughs> they were pumped. Crazy, you right? gained 10 pounds and they were, yeah, and, I was, <laughs> and I was cheating. Yeah, I was cheating. <laughs> so that's a, that's a little junior story, but that was when they wanted you big and heavy and strong and old time hockey kind of thing. So it was, uh, it was always hard for me to, to put weight on at that. And I was, I was just kind of a late developer uh, at that age. Um, but, uh, man, they had some good teams there. Like when Mapes was there and like, he's talking about like Asham and DJ Young and Terry Ryan. And, you know, they had, they had, they had a lot of really, really good players that, uh, uh, and good teams. And I think they probably should have made a little more noise than they did, but nonetheless, they, they had some, they had a couple good runs with some of the teams they had before Brent Sutter ended up buying the team. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the Red Deer Rebels of my generation, of me watching them, were, I don't remember the bad years. I don't remember any years where they weren't like yeah. a, a top-tier WHL team. Um, yeah. What was it about that group? You know, you, you mentioned Mapletoff, uh, 
he'd been on here a couple of weeks ago talking about the year you guys, 2001 specifically, where you win the W or you win the, the league against Portland in five games and then yeah. you go on to a Memorial Cup. What was it about that group then? Well, we we had just kind of grown together. Like my first year in, in was Brent Sutter's first year as owner and GM and head coach. And I don't know what else he did. He did everything. But, uh, you know, and he, he came in there and set the tone and got rid of guys. And he ended up keeping, uh, you know, myself, Boyd Gordon, uh, Joel Stepp, um, Bryce Toma, Saskatoon kid. Actually, all those guys are Saskatchewan guys. Um, Doug Lynch, like we probably had like seven or eight 16 year olds on our team. Um, Jeff Wojtka, uh, another guy that uh, undrafted and made the team. I and mean, he's a hell of a player. He was unbelievable for us. And um, yeah, he ended up kind of designing and picking his own guys. We had some older guys that, you know, he was really hard on and, you know, really pushed them hard. And if they didn't want to buy in, he just got rid of them. And I think that's where he ended up just saying, you know, I'll keep these young guys, you know, they're, they're going to play hard for me. And I mean, he, he had us going like, he had us like machines, man. Well, since we were 16, like we were machines. And, you know, you turn that over to the next year after we won, just for example, you know, Dion Phaneuf comes in, Colin Frazier comes in, uh, Cam Ward came in, like we had good players. Yeah. They're, they're all three were really good 16 year old players for us the next year. But I mean, they were machines too. Like those guys were absolute machines and, you know, Sutsi had the plan. Sutsi told us this is the way it's going to be. And, you know, let's do it. And uh, all those guys did it. And we had good teams every year that I was there. We were really good. You know, that the first year we, he took over, we had a lot of young guys and we cracked the playoffs and we lost to Kootenai in the first round who went to the Memorial cup that year. Um, but that was like kind of our first taste of making the playoffs and going, man, like we, we're going to be good next year. Like we had a feeling we were going to be good. Just the way we played, just the guys that we had, the good veteran guys, um, that we had sticking around for the next year as well. Um, and then a couple trades that put us over the top and getting Martin Erat was huge and Kyle Wanvig, which was big the next year for us. And, you know, that just, that just put us over the top. But I think, I think the one thing we always hung our hat on is that we could play any way you wanted to play at that time. And we played again, like there was a lot of good teams and, you know, but we could, we could wear you out. Like in a seven game series, like no way we would, we were going to lose a series, like seven games, just the way we played as a group. And, um, you know, our mentality and it was, the season was unbelievable. Like we won a ton of games. It was, it was awesome. And we were ranked like number one in the, in the country all year long. And, um, and at the same time, like Satya did a good job, like not letting us feel like a ton of pressure, like not letting us get complacent. Like we were just, we were just kind of like automatic, like game to game to game to game, you know, and it, it was kind of just the environment that we learned to be in and, and that's the way it was. But I think it helped a lot of us, you know, get to the, you know, the next level and, and survive and, and thrive at, at pro hockey. Well, you had a pro hockey guy leading the way with a, a yeah. Brent Sutter, right? Like yeah. he takes over the team. It, it almost tells a guy how, how much impact a good leader or a great leader can have on an organization. Because I mean, within two years then of him taking over the team, the yeah. pieces may have been there, but he found a way to kind of construct it, you know, and uh, really yeah. leave his imprint on it and on you guys for that matter. Yeah. And you know what, we had a guy in there that had been there for a long time in Carter Sears, who was the guy that, you know, was the head scout that drafted all of us. Like he was with us, you know, through our entire careers. I still talk to him. 
a little bit here and there, but he was the guy that kind of scouted all the talent, all these young guys that came into camps and the Jeff Wittkas and all these guys that, you know, were, um, that they, that their staff were able to find. And, uh, you know, Carter was a big part of putting that team together with Brent, uh, and the pieces and the, you know, the guys that fit in and, you know, you don't get too long to get a crack at, uh, the Memorial cup, man. Some of these guys, like we, you know, we lost Mapes next year. Lupus Chuck was gone. Juan Vig was gone. Erat was playing in the NHL. It was crazy. The turnover that happens in, in one good year when your team's really good. So, um, you know, you got to hit it when the iron's hot and our team was good for a bunch of years there. Yeah. Well, you guys went to back-to-back league finals. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, that last one was a killer. I was so upset about that one. We lost, I think, every game to Kootenai the next year after we won in overtime. Duncan Milroy like buried us with a big OT winner in the one game and, and uh, in Kootenai. And I thought we were going to win back-to-back Memorial Cups. We were, we were that good, even though we had lost a bunch of key players. But uh, yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking for us. But yeah, they seem to whatever they seem to continue to turn it out because I remember my first year pro like turning on Shaw Cable I think when you get junior games you know yeah and it was like the the Western Hockey League finals again and the next year it was like Matt Ellis and all these other guys are playing against Kelowna in the final again the next year and I was like damn there's like three years in a row from when we were there they're continuing to pump players in and and you know fill holes and uh, you know have good teams so. Yeah, it was it was a fun run. Great place to play junior hockey. I loved it there. It was it wasn't too big of a place. It was the travel was was mint. Like we were right central to everything, and in and out. We had some great rivalries with Calgary being so close, and obviously in our division and Lethbridge and some of these other places. But uh, yeah, awesome awesome town and city to to play junior hockey in and grow up in. And uh, obviously the facility we had too. It's kind of crazy. You go from you know playing in like your minor hockey rinks and midget AAA and you know wherever the heck you are to go into like, you know, a beautiful rink there, the Centrium and able to stay on the ice as long as we want and sweet new equipment and gave us awesome hockey sticks. And like, I mean, I had used equipment most of my life, so I was living the dream playing junior hockey. It was awesome. How about billets? I always uh, try and bring up with guys, the billet family. Did you have a, yeah. a family you stayed with for your three years there? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I stayed with kind of three different families but predominantly at the end my last few years at uh, a family the Tomalty family they're they're dairy farmers just outside of the city but they'd been the longest tenured billet in uh in with the rebels at the time so they had all the you know the glory days when the team started and the, the names and the pictures on the wall downstairs to go look at some of the guys that they had come through there guys that were playing in the nhl at the time and everything so it was uh yeah, it was really cool to be be around that and kind of be out away from everything a little bit. So we were about 15 minutes outside the city, um, you know, get a fresh jug of milk in the fridge every morning when when uh, Neil went and picked it up and brought it in after he was working. He was always up and he was always going. He was working. And, you know, when I had a, uh, um, I had a kind of a, a cheat code at the time, like everyone watches video now like crazy. But uh, Neil Tomalty, my billet dad there, he he was a team videographer. So he had like a little camcorder that he would video all the games, make copies on the VHS tapes, give one to the Rebels, and then give one, to, I think, to the visiting team is how they ran it back in the day. And then he'd bring it in. Like the raw tape was still in like the, the camcorder bag. So like after every single game, I'd sit in the basement, I'd hook like the whatever those cords are, like the yellow, the <laughs> I'd hook it into the thing and I'd sit there and I had a little camcorder by me and I'd just hit like fast forward to my shift and then watch my shift and fast forward and I'd watch like the whole game. So what did watch you watch every what shift? Did you, 
What did you learn from that? I don't know. I just see what I could have done different and see what I could have seen differently, maybe, because it's like totally different, right? Like maybe you have more time than you think, or you should have went, you know, you know, took the puck out this way instead. You would have, you would have lost a guy or how to gain ice. It's just like interesting to me to see how plays develop from, you know, this is like a bird's eye view camera. So you get to like, you're sitting in the press box watching yourself. So it was a, it was a great, you know, learning tool for, for me at the time. And video wasn't like huge, you know, back in those days uh, in junior hockey. Anyway, we watched a little bit of video and went over it, but not like a ton, but for me to just um, be able to sit there and watch it and see that, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a good way for me to learn. Like I'm a visual guy. Like I, I do a lot better with seeing stuff, um, you know, and, and, and seeing it being done. And then I can think about, you know, ways to have done it better in my head and like a, like a puzzle almost. And, you know, it was, it was, it was great for me to, to learn. And just, I had it right there in my basement when he brought the camcorder bag home, I just take it right downstairs and, and do my homework. It's crazy to me or interesting to me that at a young age, you were putting in the extra hours of watching yourself. I'm just thinking back yeah, I when just, I played junior, I was like, yeah, after a game, yeah. I just needed to decompress for a bit. Yeah, I know. Like I, I did previously, like I didn't even think about it, but it, it was just there. And I was like, I started doing it and I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I liked breaking it down. I like seeing different things. I like seeing when I did really good or if I scored a couple goals that game, I'd go watch and see what I did. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Probably but... fast forward to the goal part, eh? Yeah, fast forward <laughs> to the goal part and see how awesome I was. Yeah, but it uh, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was interesting how why I did it almost every game. I would I would do that and uh, um, it's kind of a way, I guess, my way of decompressing, but my way of kind of you know figuring it out, figuring it out a, a little bit mentally on on what things I can do or things that work a little bit better. Yeah, I'm, I we used to watch. Uh quite a bit of game tape and it, I hated my shifts because as a defenseman, <laughs> small little defenseman, I thought I was moving my feet all the time and the video yeah. always showed I stood around an awful lot. It yeah, drove the me video nuts. never lies, man. No, the video man. never lies. You know how many times when I was in the NHL and I was, uh, I couldn't sleep the night after a game because I was dreading on like knowing that I definitely was going to be on video the next day. Not because we lost, not because of anything else. It sucked that we lost, but I was like, he's going to destroy me on video tomorrow. Like I am going to absolutely get killed. And I, I, I was so anxious that I'd be bumped off another line just because I had like two or three bad shifts out of like 18 shifts in a game or whatever you get. And it, it, it would ruin my night. I mean, that would absolutely ruin my night. It's crazy. So, uh, when, uh, when you're at that level, the NHL, and yeah. you're in fine company, fine, fine, fine company. And the difference between having 18 minutes or maybe nine minutes in a game could be the result of a few shifts. I could see how that could weigh on anyone. Oh yeah. Like I will, I mean, we can get into it later when I, when I finally crack the NHL and I get a chance like playing with real good players and getting from the fourth line an opportunity to play on the first line. Uh, and it starts going really well. And then, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of like that. You're not, you're not like a first line guy, but you do a good job where they can put you there. And you're expected from your line mates to make certain plays, but in your brain, your brain's going, man, you're going to kill yourself. Like you can't do this stuff. You cannot make that play right there. Like you don't like your coach doesn't care, you know, what those other two guys do. But if you, if you're the guy, you're going to be feeling it and hearing it. So yeah, it's a fine line. Uh, it's a fine line at that level uh, between, uh, 
you know, those, those five, five or six minutes extra or less that you get for sure uh, with the way your game is. Well, speaking of the NHL, fast forward to 2001, the NHL draft mm-hmm. um, in Sunrise, Florida. Geez, that must have been awfully nice. It was, it was awesome. It was like the first kind of travel trip our family had gone on. You know, we haven't, I think the first time I ever flew on a plane was to go play in the Western Hockey League Championship. I think we flew there and bust back. I can't, I think. But that was like the first time I'd ever been on a plane. And then the second time I'd been on a plane was after that I flew to the, to the Combine in Toronto, which is like three days after we had our parade in Red Deer. I had to leave, which sucked. I hated it. Um, and then the next time with my family. So I had some, I started flying quite a bit after we'd, <laughs> you know, hockey started flying me places, which was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like you just mentioned like sixth round pick in the Bantam draft and flash forward a few years later, I'm in Sunrise, Florida, hearing my name called at the NHL draft in the first round, which is like, you know, a pretty crazy feeling, just absolutely wild feeling. And, uh, did you have any, Pittsburgh, thought- of course, as well. Uh, um, were you expecting to go in the first round? Um, I kind of was. Like our team was really good, and um, oh, and you just come off winning a. We Mem just Cup. came off winning a Memorial Cup. We Memorial had all eyes on us. We had a really good team. We had, uh, you know, surrounding cast really good. I got to play like up and down the lineup all year long in different roles. So you know, it was pretty central base for scouts as well. A lot of, a lot of NHL scouts in Calgary and we're just down the road, Red Deer played Calgary a ton. So we got in and out of there a lot. And, you know, I think we had a lot of eyes on us, obviously being first in the country almost all year and winning. Um, So I, that had a lot to do with it. You know, that had a lot to do with, you know, people getting a look at me a lot more. Um, But the, like the rankings all year long, like played the prospects game and like kind of the rankings kind of kept coming out in the hockey news or whatever. And, I mean, at the time, maybe we didn't have like internet, like, you know, at prospects game, I, I saw Jason Spezza in a, in a, uh, in the hockey news, but to actually see him with your own eyes in real life and like, see what he was. Cause it was like all the talk he's on, you know, on the CHL section of hockey news, like every week. Um, so, you know, everything was just kind of new. We didn't really know what to expect. And even, even all the way up until the going to the draft, like you never know what's going to happen, but I had an idea. I was going to be a first round pick. Uh, how did back then, was it a similar combine to what they do now where they bring all the top prospects in or was it, were you in line around where Wade and them got flown out to specific teams? Yeah, no, I wasn't, I didn't do that. I went into Toronto. We put us up at a hotel. Um, you know, you go around, they give you a list of which teams want to meet with you. And I remember looking at my list. I think I had like 22 or 26 teams that wanted to meet me. So I was like, holy cripes, in two days, I got to meet with all these teams. And like, my schedule was crazy. Like, I didn't eat lunch one day. It was just like room to room to room, wait in the line, get in another room. So it was, it was pretty nuts. And uh, all, all at the same time doing the fitness testing. The fitness testing was hilarious, though. I yacked so hard on the Wingate test. And like, we were just like, we were just like, won the Memorial Cup, you know? So the party was on pretty good. And uh <laughs> Uh, I remember walking in there and they didn't have like the tight fitting, cool cl- stuff that they have now. Like, you know how everything's like kind of spandexy. Yeah. It was like the old, like Walmart, like uh, muscle shirt and like the, the NHL logo with like some number on it or something. I just remember like my, I was so skinny, you know, like 
my shoulder kept falling off. I kept having to like pull it back up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so young and skinny. And then I got down to do the bench press and I'm like, the guy's like standing over me. I pull it down once. I get it up. I put it down again. He goes, come on, come on. I go, I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, it was like one play to side. I was like, come on. You should be able to do better than that. But I was just so, I just finished playing. Like, I think it was like a hundred and some games that year, counting preseason. And um, I, there was like nothing left of me. There was nothing left of me. So it was uh, the, the little strength that I had was literally just put into skating and playing hockey, not nothing in the weight room. So um, it was, it was quite the funny fitness test I had. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't very impressive. How unreal was it though, to look at your schedule and go, I'm going to the Maple Leafs, the Oilers. Yeah. I, I don't awesome. know. Oh, the Oilers the was awesome. I thought I was going to get drafted to the Oilers and they took Hemsky, I think. I mean, that would have been really high, but I just had a really good interview with them and going in that room was crazy. Like you're talking like all the guys that you hear about, like Samanko, all those guys, low, like everyone's in there. So you walk in the room and it's just like, you recognize every single guy. And it's like, it's pretty intimidating. Um, but also like super cool, like, you know, to see those guys for the first time, like seeing Gretzky on the draft floor during the draft, first time I ever saw Gretzky in like real life up close sitting there with my parents, like, there he is. Oh my God, there's Wayne. Like, you know, it's just one of those surreal things uh, you're kind of at the NHL level kind of, and there are all those faces and people that are in the game are, are there. So yeah, going around all the, all the teams was 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 each team was different some teams had like different strategies asking a question some teams were just relaxed and wanted to get to know you and um yeah it was it was it was a really cool experience it was, it was pretty neat to to go through all that before we carry on you have a pen in your hand don't you i can hear it yeah can you can, oh, can you hear clicking sorry about that. <laughs> i'm like what what is that what is that clicking yeah noise? it's a that bad is... connection no it's a it's a <laughs> The ballpoint pen. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, sorry, I'm wrecking your damn no, no, podcast. No, 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 <laughs> it's, it's all it's all good. It's uh, it's something I'll easily uh, click out this little spot. It's not a big deal whatsoever. Heck, we've caught it. That's the big thing. Yeah, good. I know yeah, I'll get some listener who will who will be all over me because there's yeah, who's clicking the pen, right? That, yeah, yeah. That, that's oh, yeah. exactly what's gonna happen. I've been uh, I've been on live TV and uh, you know the camera shots are cooking around and. I'm sitting there, click, 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 my pen, like probably like a, just like a little tick, you know? And, uh, and I look across the table and the host is staring at me. He's like, like knock it off. It's bugging him. Like I'm irritating the heck out of him, you know? So I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Then it comes back on to like the three of us and everything looks cool. Meanwhile, he just gave me the googly eyes. Yeah. So yeah. TV's wild. Can you go back to, uh, interviews, team interviews, Mm-hmm. You mentioned different teams have different strategies. Is there one that just like, you know, you mentioned Edmonton being surreal because you walk in, you know, all the faces. Yeah. Is is there a team that sticks out when you just look back and you're like, man, like why were they asking those questions? Or. Yeah. San Jose, I remember was a pretty tough interview. Like asked some, some questions like about the Western league and how tough we are and certain things. And I was pretty confident we were like the toughest, you know, <laughs> we had really tough players and you know I played on a team with like Vandermeer we had like you know Stephen Pete was in Calgary at the time and um Goddard was in Lethbridge like our division had some pretty crazy guys and I was like we got some really tough guys and he's and we just finished playing like Valdor who had a really good team like they were unbelievable team and uh 
you know, I spoke to Q and about Simone Gamache, who was one of the best players in the league that year. If he's, if he's tough, cause you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, he had a good year. Like I was, you know, to being nice and stuff. And then the guy like busted, just started naming like Sandy McCarthy, George LaRock, like going through all the guys from the queue that are all like super heavyweights of the NHL. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, he like set me up and then just roasted me with actual facts of like super <laughs> tough guys. I was like, oh, <laughs> I just remember being like, why is he asking me this? Like, I'm not even a good fighter. Like, I don't know what's going on right now. Um, but I remember like even some of the teams that were picking like way higher than like my selected spot kind of thing, like in my range of where I thought I might go. Um, I remember one time, like <laughs> Florida, I think it was Florida. They're like, Should, like, we're, you think you're going to be a first round pick? I'm like, yeah, I think so. And they're like, oh, uh, well, we're picking like, you know, I don't know when, where they pick pretty high. Um, so like, you know, if you're going to be later, like, what's the point, you know, why are you here? And I'm like, well, you might as well take me second overall, boys. <laughs> like I remember answering like that. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. I remember <laughs> saying that they started laughing, you know? So I think they just wanted, it's always good, I think, for them to kind of, you know, there's always trades to be had. And, you know, like, look at Wade drafted wherever he was, and then he flipped over to Ottawa right away. So, you know, there's always things that happen. They want to get to know players. It's a good good excuse to meet players and, and see them. And uh, I think they're always kind of doing their homework on certain guys. Well, I'm looking at your career in general. You, you yeah. start off with one team, but you know, there's very few people in all of pro sports anymore that last yeah. the test of time with one single team. And almost is, you know, Tom Brady. Here's a guy yeah. I thought was going nowhere and now is a <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I know. Isn't it wild? Yeah. And, and, you know, even more so now, I think with the salary cap and yeah, you get those guys that, you know, get those big eight year contracts and they're like the core group guys and the guys that, that settle in there. But, you know, I think, you know, even when those are said and done, a lot of them find those guys find their ways uh, somewhere else. So, yeah, it's not you don't get the you don't get the heart and soul core third line guy that sticks around for 20 years in a certain team or 15 year career anymore. Those guys are always bombing around, finding jobs everywhere. Yeah, doing what they can. Right. Like, yeah, it's... trying to stay alive, find a spot, find somewhere that fits for the right money so that you can, you know, grind it out and they don't replace you with the young kid that. uh that uh, makes league minimum or whatever is on his entry level contract. And they're all pretty darn good. These young kids now. So um, yeah, you're, you're constantly searching for a job almost uh, every, every few years. It seemed like uh, down, down at the end of my career. What did, what did Pittsburgh's uh, interview with you go like, like, did you have a oh, sense was, that they might take you? No, like totally not. Like they were, they were like relaxed. Like Greg Malone was in there. Who was the head scout at the time, ex player. And, I ended up playing with his son, Ryan Malone, for a bunch of years in Pittsburgh. But uh, uh, And Eddie Johnston, who was uh, the guy that drafted Mario Lemieux and coached. And uh, now I sit beside him at every Pengs game when I'm home here up in the press box. We sit next to each other. I love the guy. Great sitting with him. But um, they were the two guys in the interview. And I remember the interview, actually, because it was so relaxed. They had told me I was wearing, like, a, a one suit I had that Brent Sutter bought our entire team, got, like, a deal. We all had matching, like, suits. You did not. Yeah, we did. It was hilarious. And uh, I thought it was awesome, though. Like, I wore it all the time. We always wore it. And uh, um, so I wore it to this. It's like the only suit I had, you know? So they're like, take off your jacket, you know, relax. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. 
And I remember like uh, Greg Malone was like, oh, come on, take it off. And he like helped me take my coat off. And I, I just remember my back was like soaking wet. <laughs> I was so sweaty. I was so nervous. Just my back. He's like, holy smokes, man, your back is soaking wet. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, that's why I wanted to keep my coat on. Like, go figure it out. And then, like, they were just kind of like chilling in chairs in the room, in the hotel room, watching TV. And I just sat down. They were just like, you know, had a nice little chat with them, like, totally casual, like, really comfortable and nice. And um, I was so, like, it was off the, like, totally off my radar when I did get drafted by them. But I was so glad I got to come. Well, the way it worked out, right? But I was so glad I was part of this organization. I loved it here, even my time in the minors as well. That's your drafters, yeah, I assume, then hanging on the wall? Yeah. Yeah, where is it there? Yeah, that's the one that they gave me when I went up on the stage and drafted, and my mom got it framed for me. So it's kind uh, of – it's really cool. I love, I love the retros, right? Like, Yeah, you, yeah. You don't, it's not even that long ago, I swear, and it just – No, uh, it's not. Those are <laughs> – that's a sweet uni. Yeah, it is really – it was really cool. And obviously, like, uh, you know, you get drafted, you know, Mario Lemieux kicking around there. It's uh, – you know, pretty exciting feeling. And I had one buddy of all my friends because every all my buddies are Oilers fans. You know, most of them I got a couple few Leaf fans here and there, but mostly everyone's a big Oiler, like hardcore Oiler fan. I had one Pittsburgh Penguin, like Mario Lemieux, hardcore buddy that was uh, the first guy like I thought of when I got drafted by them. So <clears throat> he like lifelong Mario Lemieux Penguins fan. So it was like, um, it was it was really it was just really exciting to go to a team. Obviously, it was like guys guys like him that were there and then I got to go and see all the other guys that they had it was it was crazy was Lemieux on the stage when uh, you went up um geez I'm trying to remember I, I don't remember I don't think he was no I think it was you know like Greg Malone and Eddie Johnston and um um Craig Patrick the GM at the time I think those guys were just up there with me I don't think Mario was there at the time he was still he was still playing <laughs> true true yeah, uh, yeah. What was uh, what was the first training camp like when you go to Pittsburgh and that man's on the ice? Yeah, like something about him, and you know, like I talked about seeing Wayne at the draft. There's something about those like great players or guys. Like he's huge. He's like six five, six six, just without skates on, like a monster of a guy. But some like just like those kind of guys, like walk in the room if they leave your like jaw open, kind of just look at them, like you can't say anything. He has, he has that about him, you know, and it, uh, so seeing him just kind of strolling through him and he's so big and cool the way he walks, you know, and it's like interesting, like watching Michael Jordan documentary that's on right now. Like he looks so cool. Like he, he had the earring, his tongue was out. He walked all cool. Like he was, he's the greatest thing ever. Right. And like you see like a guy like Mario, like the same thing. You like, just look at him. Like, it's just like, awesome. It was awesome. Then you see him on the ice and he's like huge. And he's like, looks like he's just like floating and he's flying. He's just, he's just so smooth and, and big that it's, it's so, it was just so different to, to see those guys. But it's like him, Straka, Kovalev, Lang, Kasparaitis, um, you know, they, um, Morozov at the time, like they, they had like really skilled, really, really good team and a lot of really good players. So for me to come in and see these guys at camp and the way that they could skate and play and think and, um, you know, how big and strong they were. I, w I was like, what am I doing here? I remember later, a few years later, when I was actually, guys started to know me around camp a little bit, trying out and coming to camps and in the organization. And like the trainers are like laughing. They're like, man, I remember your first camp a few years ago. We thought you were like one of the other helper trainers' kids. 
like in here to fold towels because I was so skinny and small. They're like, no way this guy's our first round pick. Like, get out of here. <laughs> what, did like, you, yeah, that was... what did you do then to, to change that? I'm assuming they got you on weight training like nobody's business. Yeah, and w- I mean, it wasn't super big even at the time, like in the early 2000s there when I was coming up, like the, the weight training and stuff, but it, it changed like overnight and boom, you had to like adapt and find a trainer and get working out. So yeah, just, I, I was, I was just always just kind of like a late developer. I think I just was a tall, skinny guy at the time. And it took a long time before I kind of became comfortable with like my size and, you know, um, I'll tell you one thing though, like with my like skating background and figure skating and my edge work and, you know, my strength and sturdiness on my skates. I, I was popping a lot of big guys down at back in the day. <laughs> um, you know, when I was playing, just, just the way I played too, like the way I grew up playing, like hard nose kind of style hockey. And, uh, you know, my size wasn't like a factor at all. Maybe if the gloves came off, it was a factor. Guys were way, like I'd grab onto guys. I'd be like, oh no, like right off the bat, you know, you could just feel how strong they are. I'm like, oh my God, no. Um, but when, when I was going to the corner with a guy, like I, I, I handled myself fairly well physically, um, with bigger guys. I saw a video today with children crawling all over me of you <laughs> from your first pro game in the A. Oh yeah. 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 yeah and crazy. And you put up two genos that game. Yeah. What I was curious about was on the board, there's a three or four rookies that go up and write a number above their name and it was a money amount. And I couldn't figure out what they were, what they were doing there. Do you remember yeah, what you guys were doing? It's like, um, like guys can just do that randomly. And you usually have like a team pot that we put it into and we use it to like fund like a team party or dinner or get the, you know, the wives and girlfriends and team together and, and do something. And, you know, it pays for catered food. So it's kind of like a team allowance. And you can just put money on the board. I didn't know what it was until I got there either. So that was, you saw my first time doing it. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, really cool thing, actually. They followed our team around that entire season with cameras and filmed the whole season. So it was like a, a, a reality TV show with our team. And here I am like 19 years old in pro hockey. My first year, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, it, it was it was, it's hilarious to look back at it because I'm wearing some of the worst clothes ever, but just hilarious to look back at like just how dumb I am, you know, just how absolutely dumb I am. I have green, no clue what's not going dumb, on. Green, uh, green, green. Okay, great. I was yeah. very green. I had no clue what was going on. And, you know, there's guys that have been playing like, you know, in the minors for like 12 years that were on my team. Like I'm talking like grizzled veteran guys that are like, you know, I'm this long curly haired kid from Saskatchewan. They're, look- doesn't know they're looking at you like fresh meat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, you got to put money on the board. If you, if we win the game, it goes into the fund. You got to pay it. And guy keeps track of it. If you're, if you're late for practice or if you wear the wrong clothes, you get a hundred dollar fine or something. And it all goes into that uh, kind of like our own team run little uh, fund that we keep that we can, you know, tip trainers or uh, um, you know, have team dinners or things like that. So that's what that, that went towards. And yeah, I had a, I had a good first night, my first pro game, cranked the junior visor off and away I went and, Got a couple goals, yeah. <laughs> what was the jump from, you know, junior to a, like professional hockey? How how big of a jump was that, or was it a big jump for you? Yeah, it it it, it was. I mean, um, I guess just like the preparation of every guy you get to see, and you know, obviously certain guys on your team stand out more than others with what they do, and 
you know, you've kind of, you're, you're starting to kind of, and I think kids do it now much sooner. Like, you know, these guys, you know, have a much better understanding of, of what the next level is going to be like and, you know, individually their preparation or what it's going to take and, and what you have to do. And I just, <clears throat> I, I had, you know, my own thing, but it was like junior kid, I was just a kid. Uh, and then you get there and you see guys warming up, you see the way guys take care of themselves. <clears throat> you see the way the guys, um, you know, handle themselves around the rink and, you know, on the ice and what they work on after. And sometimes how you're on your own to kind of do stuff and, you know, no one's holding your hand and going, Hey, come here, let's do this. You know, guys get together and they do it on their own. And, um, yeah, it's an, it's an eye opener, massive learning experience. And you know what? I, I always, when I, when I finally went up and I played with Crosby, I always bugged, I always rip on Sid. I said, buddy, like you didn't even play in the minors. Like you have no clue what it's like to like battle and grind and battle and grind and like learn and like play guys. You never even heard of some of these guys that I had to play against that were savages. They're just crazy. Like you came right to the NHL, skipped the whole great step of hockey of playing in the minors and learning and developing. And turns out he's pretty darn good though. But <laughs> maybe just uh, a I little my, bit. I, 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 I love my time in the minors though. Like, and I was appreciative of it. And I know everyone's in, always in a big rush. And I always, of course, wanted to get, I didn't get a game until I got called up. I didn't get called up once. Um, due to several reasons, maybe I wasn't ready. Or, and also the team was going through some financial issues at the time here in Pittsburgh, which is a whole nother beast with bankruptcy and, you know, rumors of the team moving and you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on. And um, so we had a pretty good stockpiled young team in, in Wilkes-Barre and we had some, we had some good teams as well. So I went from Red Deer to there to, to learning how to be a pro to stockpiling, uh, you know, tons of players down in the minors and, um, you know, we had some really great teams there as well. Had some good Calder Cup runs and a lot of fun. Lots of fun in the minors. Well, you just hammered off about 20 things that I got to follow up on now. What the heck did <laughs> yeah. the kid say when you were busting his balls <laughs> about not being in the, the minors? He, oh, here you go again. He always gets going. Oh, here you go. Oh, yeah, the minors. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I always like to get him going. Uh, I like to give him a hard time about that. But he, you know what? Um, for as good as he as he is and you know his kind of path that he had is totally different than anyone's um but still like just a super grounded like totally great normal genuine hockey guy you know so it was uh <clears throat> we got we had some great times together man i loved i loved hanging out with him and you know obviously practicing on the same sheet as him every day was unbelievable and um you know learning from him. I was like 23 years old. He was 18 and I was asking him a hundred million questions, you know, <laughs> Just is that good? And yeah, crazy that, that he good? sees and, the game that way. Yeah. I know. Oh my God. I know. Like I ask him stuff like, buddy, we're on a two on one. Like, where do I go? Like, where do you want me? Like in the triangle, like to the back post, like it's just a feel thing. Like, just tell me what you want. He's like, man, just get off the back of his heels. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'll just pass it by, by his heels because, like, he can't move his foot back. It's hard for a defenseman to, like, move his foot. Like, he can move his foot forward and block it, but it's harder for them to, like, when they're backing up to, like, move his foot. And it's just, like, a little thing that, like, he just d did, you know, just asking him questions. But and understood it uh, in eight, as an 18-year-old. Oh, like seeing stuff like that, though, like seeing stuff like that and understanding that. Yeah. As an 18 year old coming into the NHL, is, I was just like, those like little, the little fine details of understanding 
where everyone is on the ice, like all the time in the corner, no look back through six layers of defenders and players and to the far side D-men coming down, <clears throat> pinching down to the back door and just right on his tape, like perfect, like out of traffic, out of a pile with guys on him. But he had like a, he has like a, a sense of where everyone is and he always has like outs no matter what because he just he sees it no one else does like even now I get to go to games I work here do Penguins games on tv and radio and I sit up in the press box and he I, I'm sitting up there now watching him and he's doing stuff that I didn't even see in the press box I'm like how there's no way he knew that guy was there like that had to be like a that had to be like a, a like just like a hope play you know like he just threw it to that area and but like it's not like he sees it all it's crazy I don't know how he does it how, how many how many more years can he play at that top level? Yeah, what is he now? Holds he now? 33? I don't know. Yeah, he's got how many years left at his deal just to be at the top level? Um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of funny talking to him. He used to, we used to take this to kick us off the ice. I mean, back in those days, when he was, we were just young. But He turns, hey, he turns you know, 33 in, in, uh, later this year, August. August, yeah. Um, yeah, he'll play. He'll play out this contract, and then what it takes until he's probably, I think, thirty-seven years old, maybe. And then, I don't know. He could probably squeak a few more years out of that, out of his body. We'll see how he is, but he takes real good care of himself, man. Like he's dedicated to hockey. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, um, but like, you know, he doesn't. He he manages his body so well now. Like I was saying, like optional skates, practices. Like he's out there all the time now. Some mornings, if I feel ambitious, I get down to go watch a morning skate, and and it's optional. Most of the teams now are just optional. He's 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 hardly out there now anymore. He doesn't go out for optional. I always bug him like, you ain't going the optional. Like, what's wrong with you? He's like, I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, you got to take care of yourself, and he's he sure knows how to manage his. He's probably got a uh, team him. around him making sure yeah, he, well he knows how to manage himself through a game he knows how to manage himself through a season with practices and, and through a season with his games and stuff too so you know you become pretty wily and when to crank it up and when to you know when to dial it down and you know 82 games is a tough schedule on your body and you know mentally and physically every single season to be at your best and I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is watching the good players in our game uh, you know the great players and how they're well, they're good, so they, you know, they get good opportunity to put up numbers and stuff. But just how consistently good and dominant they are every single year, because everyone's watching your video. Everyone knows what you do. You know, everyone knows how you play. Everyone knows the matchup going in the game. Everyone knows the best demons are going to be playing against certain guys. Like it's just like, but to to put yourself in a spot when you're that good, physically, you know, also that good, just with you know your senses and, and just being that skilled and gifted of a player but mentally the grind of an 82 game season plus playoffs and then to regroup and like the pens went back to back cups when i first moved back here like that is an incredible grind i lost in the first round of playoffs in the nhl the two times that i made it i was covering the penguins here doing radio and some other stuff through the playoffs on both those runs and i was exhausted at the end <laughs> And I wasn't even playing that. It was crazy. So what they put themselves through and how they manage it. And I think that, you know, the best players that do it so consistently every year is, is uh, unbelievable. We're going to have playoffs this year. I think we will. I think we will. Lots of guys that I talk to. Uh, I think everyone's kind of 
saying it's just a matter of figuring it out because I don't I think just think there's so many question marks of everything right now but and, and I also think like what's happening right now like as we're sitting here talking a week from now could be totally different right like they're you know the attitudes change a little bit people aren't scared you know things start to loosen up maybe uh, we start getting some answers on certain things another plan is rolled out on protocol and testing and all this stuff and how they're going to do it um you know, I do, do I think there'll be fans in the stands? I don't think so. That's me personally and probably most people. Uh, but I do think we see hockey games. I just think it's it's too hard for the league that's not making any money right now and to roll that into next year and the ramifications of salary cap, players' contracts, and escrow is just – it's it, it's it's massive. So I think, uh, you know, that on top of, of the opportunity to finish the season, I think are just two things that I think they're going to – I think that's why we'll see hockey. You think they're going to do uh... – a full playoff seven game series or do you think they're going to get creative in ways to shorten that well i you know what was interesting i don't know did you listen to ron mclean with gary bettman like a week and a half ago a or so it was a really yeah. good yep. yeah it was a really good sit down and i mean a week and a half and a half ago in quarantine is like a month and might as well be but things change so fast but you know i thought it was a really good interview and sit down and i thought it was really good like information I think people just have to ha- wrap their heads around of like what used to be normal might not be normal, you know, coming up. And we, you know, you know, when Ron would ask him a question, he said, yeah, that's great. But like, we might do it different, you know? And like, it's the stuff that we're used to being the same. Um, they're just going to find another way to do it. And when it might be totally different than what we're used to, but you know, they might have to try different things. And um, you know, so there's a lot of out, out of the box thinking to try to get this in. And will we see a best of five? Uh, maybe maybe in the first round or, you know, maybe we might see some of that, uh, you know, for them to fit it in. For me, the wildest thing to talk about right now is next season, um, starting hockey, if it does go down and starting hockey in December, wouldn't that be crazy? I think that like for me as a player, never mind playing hockey in the summertime when you're usually off after sitting on the couch all day and squatting your dog, stay in shape. Now you're going to take like a month off or whatever and come back or two months and come back and start in December. Like when it's kind of like, mid start of the season which is like pretty comfortable feeling for most players that you're going to start right there it just gets just crazy to wrap your head around but this is where we're at yeah i don't know i i <laughs> if if you can get hockey going back around i think you have yeah. it's it'll be the only time hopefully knock on wood uh in the next call it 30 years hopefully where you get to just you could have a little bit of fun here Right, like you could really yeah. try some out, out of the box thinking, and some totally. of the ideas that have been thrown about playoffs is March Madness style, which might be a little extreme, but a winner take all. Yeah, 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 nice and quick. Uh, an international tournament yeah. style, so you're in pools, you play each other, and now you you get through to a tournament style again. Yeah, or maybe uh, more like a baseball format where you have a wild card game to get in. And then, it, you know, whether it's a three, five, seven or what have you, um, I think yeah. as a fan, knowing that chances are they're going to go back to the way, it, you know, as things, hopefully, whatever that looks like in a year or two years, when things start to, uh, you know, you get to have things the way they are and you can go back yeah. to best of sevens and 82 game seasons and blah, blah, blah. But for one year, for the next year, it could be, it could be a lot of fun. And yeah, we might see something we've never seen before. That's for <laughs> sure. And this might be the year to do it. Well, and I think, uh, you know, I, I don't – you would have played through the year where you guys had the league shortened season, the 40 – Yeah, that was my last games? year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was yeah, forty eight games, I believe it was. And did the players I was in like Montreal that? that year. Did the players like that or was that too much? Well, I liked it because we didn't have training camp, which was cool. We just kind of <laughs> like they, they ended the lockout. We came back and they were talking about because it happened so fast. Okay, we're gonna do fitness testing. I remember Brian Gianto was our captain. He went in there and said, Hey, we don't we're not we don't want to do fitness testing. And they're like, All right, no fitness testing, let's get on the ice, let's get going. <laughs> Cause we had like a week before we started the season, you know, like yeah. it started right away. So that was pretty crazy. But that like the whole attitude was, it was, you know, during the seasons, I have a marathon, it's not a sprint. There's going to be ups and downs. Like we knew it was a sprint. So it changed the whole mindset right from the start of the season, obviously getting a good start every year is super important. But uh, you know, that year was, it was like, it was like full speed ahead right from the drop of the puck. You had to be going all year. Well, I know when fans, 82 games is, it's a lot, right? Even for the it's most diehard, it's just a lot of games. And yeah. when you get a league shortened season where, you know, everyone hates it because everybody wants to see you guys play. Everybody playing wants to play. It's not like, um, yeah. but when you get a league and it is just like every night there's hockey on and every night it is yeah. like, everybody knows you got, you got to win the games because you don't get <laughs> the extra 30 some at the end. Right. Like that's, yeah, a, exactly. that's really cool. Um, yeah, it was different. It was cool. And it, it just happened that way. And we just had to go with it. And I think that's what's going to happen right now. You know, they're going to say, all right, if they're going to, you know, play in these four cities that they're going to, you know, decide and pick and, you know, all the protocol is going to be set up for this entire thing. And, you know, teams, guys quarantined everywhere and do the tournament style. Like, they, this is like what's going to happen. They're going to say, this is what we're doing. And the guys are going to go, okay, let's go. I'm sure there'll be some guys a little pushback on it. Like, well, you're going to stay in a hotel for a couple months, but. I mean, when it comes down to it, if everything's done properly, I think that's the way it's going to happen. Yeah, I I think I was listening. Uh, I think it was you that said it actually. That uh, I wasn't thinking. Of, I, honestly, I was like, oh, geez, that okay, that makes sense. All right, for whatever cities, okay, and there'll be hockey with no fans. All right, and then it was brought up. Well, what about you know, an American who has to come up to Canada now? And the yeah, yeah. closed. And then what happens when you come up to Canada? Now you got to be in quarantine by yourself for two weeks on top yeah. of everything else and now you're away from your family and everything else and yeah. you're like man that's more complicated than just yeah. hey let's go play some hockey yeah on top of that players apparently saying they want a three-week camp as well so they got to fit three weeks of players getting in shape and doing a training camp again after they've you know been stuck in their houses for two months so that's yeah, it's, it's interesting times it's crazy times right now and obviously basketball and football is coming up and um you know, canceled dang Memorial Cup in Kelowna. I was all ready and fired up to go to that. That'd be starting here in a few weeks. That'd be nice. Hey, oh. 14 days, 14, 15 days in Kelowna. Well, let's go. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> spot. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, this is like for Canada, specifically this area, this time of year is like the best time of year because you just come out of the long winter that never yeah. seems to end. And then it finally does, and you're into what would be round two of the playoffs-ish yeah. right now, yep. which means you've just gone through the best round, which is round one, and now you're in round two, yeah. and everything's just ramping up. And, hey, the Oilers look like they were going to make the playoffs this year, and we haven't had a whole lot to cheer out, out this way in the last, you know. Yeah. We get to see McDavid every night, and that's a lot of fun, but everybody wants the playoffs back, and we were about to maybe, yeah. maybe have a battle of Alberta again. Oh, I know, right? And I mean, and then you just talk about everything, the Memorial Cup, I mean, um, oh, I the Royal Bank Cup, everything, right? All the different hockey, let alone yeah. all the sports. It's, 
it's uh i laugh when you say a, a week feels like a month it's like a day and a half feels like a month in freaking solitary <laughs> right like it's, yeah, it's it unbelievable does. yeah and you know we'd have hockey every single night right now i mean first round's unbelievable every every night boom two games boom two games boom two games it's unbelievable it's just action-packed i'm usually been able to work at Sportsnet doing the first round, which has been awesome in studio every night. Like it's just electric factory, so much on the line uh, every game. So um, yeah, I miss it. I miss hockey. I miss games. I miss the excitement. I miss what could have been this year. And yeah, I do a lot of Oilers games at Sportsnet too. So they've, they've been, they've been awesome to follow this year and just seeing how they compete and give themselves a chance to win every night. And uh, obviously McDavid and dry will make it pretty fun as well. Oh, yeah. They're, they're pretty good. They're okay, hey? They're all right. Oh, my God. They're unbelievable. I was working the one game. What was it? Dreisaitl got like five or six points. It was great. Like last few weeks of the season. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding? Like in his sleep. In his sleep right now. That's how good he is. So, yeah, it would have been uh, oil country would have been would have been uh, ramping up pretty good right now. Yeah. Oh, and I just think back with Dreisaitl when they signed him to 8.5. And the place lost its absolute uncontrollable <laughs> shit. Everybody was Everyone like, did. heads were popping off. We've just made the worst decision ever. And this year, yeah. every Oiler fan was strutting around just like, uh, man, yeah. that was a brilliant, brilliant move. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> He's made them look pretty good, eh? Yeah. What That's a bad it. deal Dreisaitl signed. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Hey, what an idiot, eh? Why would he sign? <laughs> now it's going the other way. You know, going that, back he's to... He's been that good. He's been that good, though. Holy smokes, he's been that good. Going back to something you brought up earlier, I was actually surprised, you know, when I suggested Sunday, Sunday night uh, recording, I was thinking, oh, that's a bad time, because I know in the States, they release the, the, the last dance, the new episode. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, I'm like, geez, that's a dangerous time for me to suggest, because in Canada, it doesn't happen until tomorrow. So I got a day yeah. to, to... You're good, yeah. How crazy! I I didn't realize, or I guess I was probably too young to realize that Pippin's contract. Oh, like, I know, and like this is the stuff that we didn't know about, or like I didn't anyway as a kid, right? Like, like the the business behind the scenes dealings that was going on with that super team. So, you know, I think this has been like for our generation. Like, how old are you? Thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah, I'm thirty seven. So, like for our generation, it's like. You know, everyone had the starter Chicago Bulls jacket and everyone had Jordan everything. And it was like, that's every kid at school. And we watch him on TV and Michael Jordan on the cereal boxes and pro, you know, he, he had everything. Pro stars. And, pro stars. Yeah, they're so good. And then now we get to see like, and we get to understand like the business and sports and putting this team together and contracts and this and that. It's It's been pretty cool to see um, actually how it's gone down because I didn't think anything other than I thought Scotty Pippen was awesome too. Like I didn't even think, I didn't care how much money he made when I was a kid, right? You're just going, ah, he's like Jordan and Pippen are unbelievable. So yeah, that's kind of, they're dropping that at the absolute perfect time. Oh. You know, like people are getting that right now. And that's kind of been driving sports, I guess, uh, for a lot of people to revisit, you know, one of the, probably the greatest athlete mogul to ever, ever play. It still hurts my brain. That he can win three championships, take eighteen yeah. months off, walk back in and three win three more, like what? Yeah, and well, and while he was doing his other his real championships, was like playing, he was golfing and like hanging out and like not and like 
like stuff that we would think that he wasn't doing like he was so casual and just go in and just light up 50 60 point nights like that like after golfing all day know, long 36 yeah no kidding yeah. How, how tough was it uh you know as a player you probably felt it firsthand all the social media because i mean in the beginning um well, when we were young, there just was no social media. Pretty simple. And then as time goes on, yeah, yeah, it just well, it ramps up 110 percent, and it is yeah. a beast now. And towards the end of your career, I would think you would have started to have felt that. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was a. It started becoming a thing with, <clears throat> like, I think I got Twitter in like 2010, which was was in Atlanta I remember uh, we we're having our I think our first kid and I was sitting on the couch hanging out and like saw a tv show they were talking about this and like you and me were emailing like I didn't even use email until like stopped playing hockey and now everyone at Sportsnet wants to email and I'm like I don't even know what you e like what do we email just text me but but uh yeah and then Twitter and Insta, like it just kept evolving into other things and more things and then you know it became like points to, to train young kids coming into the league on how to understand and use these different platforms. And uh, I think it was more people were scared of it at the start of what it could be. And now it's used by players, uh, you know, to build their brands and do different things. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really evolved into an absolute beast in, in, you know, sports culture really. And, um, you know, we're getting a good taste of it now during this quarantine, man. We're getting all like all, everything every guy's doing at home during this quarantine. And, um, <clears throat> you know, fans are getting to see that. So, but it's, uh, yeah, it was different, like camera phones to cell phones to, yeah, and it's, it, it's, everything's come, come a long way and come a long way pretty fast. Yeah. The, the technology growth in the last 10 years has been unbelievable. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Crazy. So, um, when you're playing, in uh, Wilkes-Barre, the AHL, you were there under Tarion? Was that the head coach? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was there when I first got there. It was Glenn Patrick. It was Craig Patrick, our GM's brother, okay. my first year. <clears throat> so that was my rookie season pro hockey in Wilkes-Barre. And then they fired him and brought in Michelle Tarion, who had just been fired by Montreal, I believe, at the time, the year before. Um, and then I had him there, yeah, for three years and three continued in Pittsburgh another few years in Pittsburgh. So I had him, yeah, come in and, and little did I know I'd be having him for like majority of my pro pro career as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you trend or track your career, you play in the A and I didn't realize you hadn't been called up. You said you'd never been called. No, up not even games. Yeah. That was tough. That was tough. Like your first round pick, you don't get a game. Like I had other guys getting called up here and there uh, and I was sitting there and then, yeah, the, my I played out my entry level contract, so I had to re-sign. So I signed like a two-way, one-year. I think it was a one-year deal. Out of that, they qualified me. Okay, so now now I had to clear waivers. So I came to camp that year. I had a great camp, and they sent me down again, and I had to clear waivers. And this is coming out of the lockout season as well, which was like the best season of American League hockey, maybe ever. I don't even know, but it was like stacked with talent, all like high draft picks like every guy that was on the top six was in the nhl the next year on every single team um to getting sent down again and i cleared waivers so i was like devastated i hadn't got a game yet i'm a first round pick i've been playing some ha having some good years in the minors by then 
we had some good, we had a Calder Cup run and uh, another decent run the year in those other years and um, haven't got a game yet. And then I clear waivers, which like no one wanted to claim me. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to Europe next year. I'm done. Like, this is it. And it's not going to work out. Um, and then flash forward. Yeah. Like to around Christmas when I got my first call up. Did they tell, did, how did you get over that? Like, did, oh, you, was... did you, did you call your parents and, and they talked you off the ledge or like, like, oh, yeah, how... I talked to my agent. I'm like, what's the plans here? Like, what am I doing? Like, uh, you know, talking to teammates, like what's going on. And <clears throat> I mean, no one was really getting called up from our team at the time though. Like we had a, we had a really good crop in the minors like you know you look at you know those Detroit teams that you talk about <clears throat> that you know they they develop their guys and really season them down in the minors before guys get you know their eventual call up and they get plugged into a certain spot that fits and then they've been you know they've been groomed to be that guy <laughs> to come up after three years and it's this is the plan so I don't know if it was necessarily the plan in Pittsburgh but financially it was at the time um, and then my going into that camp where I cleared waivers, that's the summer that we drafted Sidney Crosby and kind of, <clears throat> uh, kind of everything kind of changed after that. Like uh, Michelle Terrian was my coach in Wilkes-Barre at the time. Came down, we won like 22 games in a row. We hadn't lost a game all year. We were that good. And and Pittsburgh was kind of floundering and they had a bunch of guys. Uh, Mario was still playing and it was Crosby's rookie season and Eddie Olchek was coaching and eventually they, they got fired Eddie Olchek and brought up Michelle Terrian in-house right up to the you know NHL and I just played for him for three years so I was like man this guy knows me this is you know and he was up there for three weeks and then finally he, he got, got gave me a chance to come up and play how was your happy dance when you got that call oh man my it was at Christmas too so it was like the first I think we played two or three games out of the Christmas break in the minors and it was like a three game and four night joke, you know, one of those things. And uh, <clears throat> I scored two goals that night, like two assists. I think I had four point night and they knew I was getting called up before. Apparently this is what I heard after. Um, and then after the game. So I had like, my family was in visiting me uh, over Christmas still at the time. So it like worked out perfectly where they were, you know, from Saskatoon, they're out East here. Uh, they were going to go home. Like I think the next day or two days later, uh, which got changed to going to Pittsburgh because the next morning after that game, I flew out and I played the next day. I played the next day. I flew out at like seven in the morning with Max Talbot. We got called up together, flew out, went into Pittsburgh, played the New Jersey Devils first game in that day. And my family all got to come up and watch the game. It was awesome. How how unreal of a day was that when you're uh, walking into the, the stadium, you know, roll into the dressing room? Got yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Like for me, just the emotion of finally getting to do it and like just worked out with like my family there and um, just like kind of the feeling the night before. And then all of a sudden, like the next day I'm playing, I'm in a hotel across the street from Mellon Arena. I walk across the street for the game. I didn't skate that morning, played the night before, didn't know what to expect, didn't know where I was going to play. The coach is real excited. I knew them. It was like Mike Yo and uh, Michelle Terry, and they were really excited to have me there. They knew me. <clears throat> they're excited for my opportunity and uh so that kind of made me feel a little more comfortable and then um you know then you just go out and get what they take what they give you you know like I I got to kill penalties I played on the fourth line and I think I got like 13 minutes my first 
my first game, which was, I didn't know what to expect. So I was like, man, that's a lot of ice time. I think for a fourth line guy to get 13 minutes, in my first NHL game against, you know, still a New Jersey Devils team that was pretty relevant and good. And Marty Brodeur and that, and still some of the guys that they had there. So it was, it would, it happened like a, it happened like a whirlwind. It was, it was crazy and it was, it was wild, but um I remember I was killing a penalty. I came down in front of the benches. I fired a shot like from the blue line as I was coming into the offensive zone, killing a penalty at Brodeur. Not a big deal. Like didn't think anything of it. Like, no, I haven't played against Brodeur before. He just does like a pad kick. You know how he like would direct it? Like a pad kick breakout pass to the red line. He didn't even stop it, knock it down, pass it. He took my shot, kicked it with his pad to break out going the other way as I'm changing at the bench and I'm going, Okay, don't shoot it at Broder when you're on the PK because he's he's got other ideas going on, you know. <laughs> it's just that's unbelievable. Another, yeah, total another level. So that was kind of my something I really remember from the from that first game. How about when you uh, when you signed your first pro deal? What what did you? Everybody's got the story of like now you got a little bit of money. Did did you with oh, your yeah. bonus? Did you like go buy X? I had to take out, I think I had to take out like a line of credit because like you didn't have the money right away, but like you had the contract saying you're going to get the money. I had like no, <laughs> I had like no money, you know, I was like $0 constantly calling my mom and dad for like a hundred bucks to put a hundred bucks in my account. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wild, crazy feeling when you, when you do that and you go from like nothing to like crazy, crazy, uh, contract. So. And that was in that day when they had the crazy signing bonuses. So it was, uh, it didn't even make sense. Like, it was just like, I was, I remember my, I remember like, like just sitting there going like, do I deserve this? Like, what the heck is going on here? Like, this is crazy. I haven't even played a game yet, you know, thinking in my own head, but it was awesome. It was great. Uh, first thing I bought was a Denali, GMC Denali, like uh, SUV, like the big one. Um, and that was kind of my first thing. I didn't buy it right away. I brought bought it the next year when I was in Wilkes-Barre, a uh, little bit into the season. Um, but uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool, pretty cool moment. That is awesome that you had to take a line of credit out right off the hop. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I got You gotta you gotta <laughs> pay for your cell phone now and get gas and like you know I can't keep asking mom and dad for a hundred bucks all the time. So what uh, I had a buddy I was talking about you today. And he goes, you know, and you kind of mentioned it a little earlier on. And I think it's somewhere in between uh, that first season you get called up and maybe the next season where Jim Basile's trying to buy the Penguins. Yeah. The Blackberry yeah, it guy. Was, yeah, the Blackberry guy. He, he, I mean, he was rolling in the games. I remember every once in a while and there was buzz around like Jim Basile's here. He's going to buy the team. And then <clears throat> we were going to, uh, we were going to move to Kansas City through that season as well. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy rumors going on. I think the Kansas City thing was probably more likely going to happen. Uh, and then I remember I was playing in the game that night, like Mario was retired. He was done and he came out and made an announcement that, you know, the team is staying in Pittsburgh and we're staying here. And the place went just absolutely bonkers. Like that old rank could really rock, you know. And it was just like the roof blew off. And just, you know, this this town's like a blue collar um you know, hardworking, down-to-earth uh, city here. And they love their sports. They love, you know, the Penguins and Steelers and, you know, Pirates when when they were good. But, you know, we got a great – it's a great ballpark here. If you ever want to go to a ball game, it's probably one of the best in, in the league. But um, 
they're a big sports town. Like it's just, it's awesome. Uh, so the, the city, we, I mean, Mario made that announcement and I mean, look what it's turned into here. They got a brand new rink, new facility. The downtown's completely redeveloped and turned itself around. It's, it's totally different place from 10, 10, 15 years ago. So it's hard to believe that it got that close. Yeah. Like it was that close. And I mean, you know, you wonder why we have, you know, 10 first round picks playing together in Wilkesbury. <laughs> <laughs> and you know there aren't too many guys called up and you know then you know the contracts that we as young guys and first rounders you get you know these certain contracts and bonuses all ladled through all the contracts uh you know a chance to hit all those and come up and a team that's in financial trouble makes it a lot more difficult so um yeah i mean i mean after i got drafted you, know, you go down the list is like ryan whitney it was mark andre Fleury, and it was uh Jordan Stahl is Sidney Crosby of Denny Malkin. Like they just started rolling these picks in. I mean, you got to be bad to get those picks, but uh, they got, some, they got really good players and you know, those core guys that were like franchise changers. Well, and all of them turned out to be like franchise changers. Right. Yeah. Like, like huge. I mean, even Chris Letang, who's still here. He was, I think, I don't know when he was picked a little later, like second or third round maybe or something like that. I mean, to see what he's turned himself, uh, from being like captain of the world junior team and having a great junior career, but coming in and basically taking over as like the mainstay, um, you know, defender here in Pittsburgh. Like he's, uh, you know, I get to watch him every night, but it, you know, the minutes that he plays 26 minutes, like, and I'm not talking floater minutes, he's playing hard 26 minutes. Like yeah. he's a competitor and he's, he's involved all over the ice physically, um, defends like super hard. So, you know, they've had lucky to have a guy like him too that's come along and, and that's been another another guy just to add to the, you know, to the stew. Yeah, he was at 2005, he was taken in the third round, 62nd. Third round, yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. He's kind of like a, just outside of the Norris conversation almost every single every year. Every single so year. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's that consistent and that good and that competitive. And I know he's had some injury issues, but when he's, when he's playing and going, you know, you put him out there with, you know, Malkin and Crosby and, I mean, it's pretty good, you know, pretty good triple threat. What was it like playing on a line with Mr. Crosby? <clears throat> it was, it was incredible. It was awesome. It was like the time of my life, man. <laughs> it was great. Like he was, uh, I liked playing who is, who with him. Because... Who was, before you go, who was the guy that was with you? Armstrong, Crosby, well, the one and... Year, and it was Andy Hilbert was a guy that we played with for a while. And when I first went up there, it was me, Sid, and Ziggy Palfy. And then Ziggy retired, like, middle of the year out of nowhere. Like, see, so yeah, Ziggy, Ziggy didn't show up for the rank. And we're like, where's Ziggy? <laughs> like, Ziggy retired. We're like, what? <laughs> we're in the middle of a hockey season. He just quit. Um, and then they put Andy Hilbert with us. And, yeah, like, our my first year in the league, I think I had 40 points and 47 games. And I played, like, the first 12 to 15 games in the fourth line. And I got, like, probably two assists at that time and maybe one goal. So it was like the, the pace that we, we went on was for me playing with Sid, like Sid got a hundred some points that year, but you know, to be involved in around that and like the buzz of the Crosby machine at the time, you know, this rookie sensation and all the buzz about him and, you know, you going into visiting team rinks and everyone wants to get a look at him and you know watch him play. It was, it was just like an incredible vibe to be around every day. Practice or meet our dressing rooms rammed with media like the, it was, it was, 
it was so cool to kind of get just get like put into that situation just by him being there and being around that and having more people watch you and more people pay attention to you and um yeah it was good our team our team wasn't good but uh it was it was it was really fun playing with him because he's he's not like a he's kind of like I think you've probably heard this he's kind of like a grinder a little bit like he has that the tendencies where he can go and play in those hard areas but it's just everything else that he has along with that just you know puts him above everything so um yeah he was fun to play with like the little give and go 10 foot plays with him and uh out of the corners like that's that's the way I I kind of thought like you know, to get through guys, like he could go through guys on his own and hold guys off. And, you know, only so many guys can do that. A lot of kids now, individual skill wise, can, you know, beat guys one-on-one. -on -one. But for me, it was like a, it was like tactical more to get in the corner, bump a guy off a puck, free the puck, Sid would come in, swoop in there, get it. I'd jump out, he'd bump it back to me. I'd give it back to him right away, pick a guy, he'd roll back down the wall, guy on his hip, see you later, you're not catching him. You know, we'd just run those little like, you know, three plays to set up the one play and then you know he, he worked good in those tight areas he's really good in in the corners and in tight spaces and guy on his hip I don't think there's anyone better in the league with a guy on his back so you know it was it was fun just for my game to play with a guy that was like uber elite at playing my game <laughs> well, crazy one of crazy the best to do it all one of the best players to ever play the game and you got to yeah. sit shotgun to him and yeah, yeah. yeah. and throw and up roommate, some points I, I, I roomed with him on the road for a few years and uh You were in Sidney um, Crosby's room? Yeah, we were when we had when we had roommates, yeah. So we roomed together for a few years and um you know, after every game if we're on the road, you know, talking to him or, you know, wrestling and beating him up to him starting to get stronger and starting trying to throw me around. I was going, Oh, oh here he goes, the young kid starting to get strong. Um, you know, it was fun. We had a lot of we had a really good time together. It was fun all the time every day i think i kept them a little bit loose too so um we had our we had our good routine uh that we, we kind of had set up and worked good although i snored a little bit he wasn't too happy about that but it comes <laughs> comes with the nose i mean when you don't play in the minors and you don't work on your nose construction that well like you got a nice crosby nose like buddy you got to go to the minors and grind a little bit you know then you'll start snoring you know drizzle yourself up uh, those those were fun days. Skipping skipping the minors right to the pros. I could just <laughs> be a fly on the wall for that. Would be awesome. Oh yeah, oh what yeah. Was, like it was, it was what, fun. It was fun. I like I love giving it to him. I love ripping on him and his legs and how <laughs> how look at how big your butt is. What the heck is wrong? You like, look at you. Like you know because he like built like the perfect hockey player. He's like five ten, five eleven, whatever he is, six foot. I don't even know. But he's like stocky and like he's got like the wide base. He's got the butt and the legs. You know. I'm like this skinny, gangly, you know, like opposite. <laughs> just, I just, I just like rip, rip on him. But man, we had some good times together. He like pushed me hard. Like he was younger than me, but he like pushed me hard. Practice, like, like school, like in a game, like make that play. You know, like you got to make, we got to make that play. Come on. Like I, I loved it. I loved like the competitive factor that he, that he had. And like, he didn't back down from like, you know, we go into Philly and everyone hated him and hated us. And, like guys are on his back, like Hatcher and all these giant defensemen. And uh, like, he would go, you'd go right at him. Like he didn't care. Like he was right in there. And I loved it. Cause I was on his, like, on his line. So I like, I was in there too. It was, it was so, just so much fun. It was just so fun. We we're just young and didn't know any better. You know, who is the biggest guy you got in the corner with and went, yeah, you mentioned Darian Hatcher. That was a big oh, man. That guy, oh, that guy is huge. I, I've, 
I caught him like like a I, I knocked him down once. I knocked Chara down once with a hit. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. He's a monster of a man. <laughs> uh, that's probably the biggest guy, Chara. Yeah, for sure. As he is like the biggest guy to ever play. He is a yeah. He's a giant. And I've seen. Yeah. We've all seen his fights where he he doesn't look like he should be that sturdy. Like he's just so like tall and gangly. Yeah, he is. And then all of a sudden he grabs a hold of a guy and oh, he's so you strong, you know. Yeah, he's so strong and big and. I mean, it's not even fair. Like, I think I, the guy I work with, Jeff Merrick at Sportsnet, great guy, but he always, I think he says all the time, he's like, Chara should get the lady bang every year. And like, everyone kind of looks like, what? And he's always like, yeah, well, he could like kill like 15 guys a year. And he doesn't. He, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, that's a great point. Yeah, that's good. Really good thinking. <laughs> when you were sitting in the dressing room and you're playing fourth line and what have you, and all of a sudden, your name gets tossed on a line with Crosby. Are you sitting there yeah. going, like, had had you had any inkling that you, were you playing really good, or was there a guy hurt, or how did you slide up? I don't know exactly what happened. I remember I got given an opportunity on the power play. Like, our team wasn't good, you know, so I got out there on a PP, and it was in Atlanta. It was when I scored my first NHL goal. It was like Mark Recchi shot at the net, the rebound popped out, and I just cheesed to rebound it. First NHL goal. And then the next game, I think I scored again. We went to Chicago. I scored again. And then I got bumped up to play on Sid's line, like, right away. I was, like, running a hot hand a little bit and kind of out of nowhere. Harry knew what I could do, though, and he knew the way I played or where I could fit in. And um, I was hanging out with Sid already on the team and away from the rink. We were hanging out, so we were, we were buddying around a little bit. And uh, <clears throat> um, So it was, like, it was like exciting, you know. I think it was exciting at the time. Um, I think even for him, you know, <laughs> he can't play with me, but uh, we were buddies. So like worked out good. And then, and things started going good. Like we started producing like all the time, every game. And yep. it just became like, even if we lost, we knew we were going to like get a couple goals a night, like our line would, would produce. So it was, it was that kind of, that kind of feeling. What was the playoffs like in 06, 07? The Penguins hadn't been, you know, you talk about how, they hadn't yeah. been a great team. I think it had been six or seven years. I think it was 2000, 2001, I think. Yeah, yeah that was the year I got drafted that I think, like, Kasparitis scored that overtime winner. That's and right. kind of made a little bit of headway in the playoffs through a couple rounds and kind of made some noise. <clears throat> Moose, Hedberg, the goaltender, kind of came in out of nowhere. That was, like, the big thing. And um, so, yeah, it had been a long time since they'd kind of been a relevant team in the league. And, you know, for us to make the playoffs that year, we're a young team. We're still trying to figure things out. We had great young players, um, and uh, and we came up against Ottawa. I mean, yeah, who was, was they went there. pretty decent. That was the year well. they went to the final, and they were they. I mean, they shit kicked us in the first round. Like it was, they were so good. They were so deep. They were fast. They were physical. They could score. I mean, um, yeah, we were we were fairly outmatched in there, but it was like, it was all of our young guys and guys that got called up and stuff all of our first tastes of playing for the stanley cup and the team since then hasn't missed the playoffs i think they're running the longest streak now in the nhl since detroit uh broke theirs i think 14 years maybe now whatever it is <clears throat> but um that was our first taste and like we lost but like we were kind of like we knew we were going to be good the next year. You know, we knew we were going to have like a really good team. So it was, uh, it was one of those things. It was like, yeah, it was a good taste, but we knew more was to come. And it, 
man, the next year it did. What, uh, how tough was trade deadline day when you get sent? Yeah, so that was the next year. We knew we were going to be good, and we were. Like, we came out of the gates. We were playing well. We were a really good team. I think we were battling Montreal at the time for first place in the in the conference, flip-flopping around at the time I got traded. So I kind of didn't think I would get traded, which is weird, right? Like, you think, I guess, like, no one's untouchable. But I kind of thought, like, there's no way I'm going to get traded. Like, I'm, like, not like a – big name or anything like what's going to happen here so yeah it was tough because I'd played with a lot of those guys for three years in the minors and then you know almost three years in Pittsburgh and then you get traded right at the deadline uh to Atlanta of all places and uh on a team that you know we knew we were just getting good like we were just tapping you could see what was coming you could see what was coming. You knew we had Sid and Gino, like we had Flurry, we had like the pieces were there that we were going to be really good. And uh, so it was like heartbreaking in a lot of different levels for me, just friends, uh, guys I played with like my whole pro career, a uh, number of years, and we were just starting to get good. So it was like, it was, it was brutal. Yeah. And you mentioned the Atlanta Thrashers, which, you know, that's. <laughs> In the in the uh, the scheme of franchises, yeah. uh, Atlanta was a tough place for a lot of places. Uh, well, they uh, we didn't get too many fans. I loved living there. Like we had our two. I got married there, um, so it's it was a, it was a great place um, to live and be. But it was a tough place to play hockey. Atlanta. I mean, you go. You get traded. It's a big deal. You're part of like, yeah. I re- I remember that deal being like, holy shit. Like, yeah. Pittsburgh just picked up Hosa. I yeah. mean, that was a giant deal on that day. But you're walking into, you know, Kovalchuk. Yeah. And Kovalchuk. Yeah. <laughs> like, there wasn't a whole lot else going on there. Um, but in your second year, I kind of all forgot about it until I was looking into it, but you also got to play a few games with a 48 year old Chris Chelios. Yeah. 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 We had, uh, so when I was there, I played, yeah. Kovalchuk obviously is like, you know, the face of the fran of the franchise and thrashers and forever will be known as Neely Kovalchuk's team probably. But, uh, yeah, we had Chelios who was, how old was he? Yeah. He was old. 48. Yeah, and he sat next to me in the dressing room, which was really cool. He almost killed me one time. I tried this sauna bike riding thing, and I almost died. Jesus, <laughs> bad, bad idea. Uh, but we also had, uh, at the end of his career as well, another guy in Matthew Schneider who, who oh, came yeah. and played with us also, at, you know, which was really cool. So, uh, But to have Chelly around, which was, which was awesome. Like, I think he was playing in Chicago, and, you know, he's, he's from Chicago. or did, I don't know where he's from. Like he was playing in Chicago and we called him up from the minors and he ended up sticking with us for a long time, but just a great guy to have around. He's so laid back. So cool. And, um, you know, for our team, he was like awesome for us because, you know, we needed a, a good veteran, um, a guy like that and been around a long time, had a good voice. And, um, you know, he was just also just a lot of fun to be around like the stories he had and, just kind of that cool guy that he is. It was, it was, it was something else to, 
you know, have him out there and then look and go, yeah, this guy is like 40 some years old. Like this is, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> well, 40, so, 48, man. Like that is yeah. unbelievable. Actually, you know, you look at pro. I think Michael, right? speaking of like the last dance, I think Michael Jordan was kicking around a little bit when he was there too, from some of the stuff I heard maybe, and, you know, come out after a game and like, uh, you know, there's like, Hollywood uh, actor buddies of his at the game that he's going out to dinner with and stuff. So it was like a whole another world with Chelly around too. Uh, you know, just a, just a real solid, great guy. You're telling me Chelios was having dinner with Jordan? I think so. Like, I think they're really good buddies. Like, they're really good buddies. But I'd heard from other guys that I think that he was hanging out with Michael Jordan and stuff. And I was just like, really? Like, I didn't see him. Was he at the game? Like, God knows we'd see him because there's not enough fans there, you know, like he, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh, in the section over there with the five other people, you know, it's like, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Who's the, so it's, uh, who has been the coolest guy you've come ran into by playing? Uh, well, I guess oh, now doing your job, geez, you meet a whole whack ton of them. Yeah. A lot of people come through the studio now and, uh, for interviews. I, I love that Brett Kissel. I love that guy. Uh, that knows the Oilers like the back of his hand, country singer. But, from Mount um, Point. Yeah, he's, great he's, guy. He's not that far away from a, from a Lloyd boy. I mean, he's only yeah, super talented, just like a beauty of a guy and a yeah. uh, great guy, easy to hang out with. But celebrities, geez, I don't know. I'd have to ask my wife. I, I can't really. You never, remember. you never had one guy that you were like a little bit awestruck with? Like, like crap. Um, I mean, you mentioned Gretzky on the floor at the draft, you mentioned Lemieux. And yeah, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. assumed as you, you play and you're in the league, you're around I'm thinking now. Yeah. You ever meet, you may ever meet, uh, Don Cherry. I assume. Oh you yeah. I've seen him in and around, in and around at the studio and stuff when I was there, but I, I didn't work. You know, I don't work Saturday nights. I'm like Mondays and Tuesdays. I got to do my first hockey night in Canada actually this year. Um, which was unbelievable. It was really cool. Um, experience and unreal to be a part of, but I usually never in there. Um, during that but I played prospects game and I met uh, Bobby Orr and Don Cherry when they coached us at the game it was in Calgary my draft year so I got a signed Bobby Orr picture from that like flying through the air that he sends out to everybody <laughs> which was really cool um, but man I don't know celebrity I would say I guess Vince Neal like, was he lead singer of who's he sing with uh, <laughs> in a mind cramp right now he's like an old hair band guy he's I saw him at a, at a party somewhere in like South beach or something. I was that when I was in the minors, it was cool. Motley crew. Why can't I spit that out? Yeah. Why couldn't I know that? Well, we, dumb just, am I? We, we both just We're lost dads. fan points. That's right. We just lost fan points with a lot of people. Yeah. Dad losers. Yeah. Edit that part out. <laughs> Shoot that part out. But, uh, you know what the, one of the coolest things was when, um, when I was playing in Pittsburgh is going to Edmonton and like Calgary, Vancouver for the first time with Sid, because during his draft year, the prospects game, I think was in Vancouver and he didn't go out, he didn't go play in the prospects game. I don't know what happened or if he didn't want to go or if he was hurt or what happened. Um, but he never, he'd never been played, gone out, played out West. So it was like the first time that like everyone got to see him. So it was like, it was like a circus. It was crazy. Like get to the hotel in Edmonton, like, absolutely nuts outside the hotel it was like the first time i'd ever experienced anything really cool like that um and then like the traveling crosby road show we went to calgary and then on to vancouver and it was like my first time also in the nhl playing out in those places which is like home for me and 
you know, to have kind of that circus around us that was like fans and media and just the attention in Western Canada was, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was awesome. It was like electric. There's like the building was just buzzing for like a random game in the middle of the season to have like that feeling for people just getting to see, you know, Crosby play. It was just so cool to be a part of. And you see the same thing with McDavid out East then? Oh yeah. Like I, oh yeah. I, I wanted to say, I haven't seen, I saw McDavid at the world cup of hockey live, but like he came to Pittsburgh here and I haven't seen him play live yet other than the world cup when he was really? on a team like North America. So I only seen him on TV. So I was working at Sportsnet, and they were playing the penguins on a Wednesday night. So I usually fly out Wednesday morning, get home. Um, and we're, I'd be working the game and I was all fired up. Like I'm going to finally get to see McDavid live, like just to see what he looks like live. You know, it's just different. And there was a snowstorm. My flight got canceled. I had to call work. I had to, I was supposed to work the game on TV here. I had to get out of the game and I rented a car though. And I'm like, I'm driving back. Screw it. I'm getting there. So I drove, it's like a five hour drive from Toronto to Pittsburgh. And I'm driving this thing and it's like brutal, like snow squall in Buffalo, like driving. It's like brutal weather. Like I probably shouldn't have done it, but I thought I could have got back and it took me like forever to get it. I missed the game. Um, and I'm like calling my wife. I'm like, record it, record it. I got to watch this game. Crosby McDavid. I got to watch this one. And I'm trying to drive to get home in time to make it to the rink. And it, it, there's no, no chance. I missed it. So I still have yet to see him. Uh, catch him live just because of when he's been out here previously I've been in Toronto or just it just didn't work out where I missed it oh you're missing a treat he is yeah I know spectacular yeah like just like when you watch it on tv it's like okay you know he's McDavid you like see it and you get all the camera angles and it's like but like when you sit in a press box and you're like able to watch live and just see the difference you know and you can like actually watch him at all shift or see like the little things that he does. It's such a difference live. So I'm waiting for my time to get a, to get my eyes on him. I was a little sad, you know, uh, with them not going to the Olympics. I was really, really, really stoked to see like him and Crosby on the same team. And I mean, any, it's a fan's dream to when you get yeah. the best players all from all teams go together. Um, well, yeah. them and the American t- team as well. Like it's too bad because, I mean, you look at some of the young American talent as well, like the Team Canada and 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 the U.S. team would have been awesome with with all those new young guys, you know, mixed in with some of those older guys. But you know, Eichels and Matthews, Gaudreau, and then on the other side, you know, you got McDavid's and all those guys coming in now, Barzells, and you can go on and on with all these young guys. So the 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 flavor uh, and the skill level and the speed and the young faces it'll be a lot different next time Canada. Um, puts a team on the ice oh it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome oh it's gonna be fun you got to play for uh canada in uh, a world cup two world cups yeah world championships yeah i got championships. i I have it right here yeah yeah right behind your head yeah yeah right there and we it was my first time i ever got to i I tried out for world juniors and got caught and stuff but um it's the first time i got to represent you know my country and play with you know the logo and play for team Canada. So it was, it was something else. And we're playing in Russia too, for this world championships in Moscow, which is unbelievable. Like that city is the biggest, craziest place I've ever been to. Um, And they like to go over there and there's like so many people there. It's huge. It's like the never ends. It's a city that never ends. It's monstrous. The traffic is insane. There's so many people. It's so big. Uh, It's so busy. Uh, And like to go over there and actually see how much they actually, 
you know, the, the rivalry of Canada, US, but to see how much they actually love hockey. Like they love hockey like, like we do. Like I was amazed to see that. I was kind of like, like fans were crying when they lost it in the semifinals. They, were, they lost to Finland who ended up playing in the final. And like people were falling, crying. It was like they, everyone was devastated. The city was devastated. The country was all upset and saddened. So it was, uh, it's like an eye opener because you think we're the only ones that love hockey, you know? Or like love hockey that much. That much, yeah. And, and to see how much Russia like really cherishes the game and loves hockey, it was like an eye opener for me because you just kind of hear about it and see the great Russian players and you don't really understand um, that it could be kind of like what we are with hockey, but they they truly just really love hockey over there. So it was really it was really cool to see that kind of that kind of stuff. But you get to do that when you get an opportunity to go play for Team Canada and go. We went to moscow and then a couple of years later i got made it again because i was in atlanta and we never make the playoffs and i got to go to uh <laughs> and i got to go to uh switzerland switzerland which was awesome that was that was really good and we lost to russia in the final so i had uh and that year is so the first year you go and you guys win uh matthew lombardi was your leading yeah. scorer rick nash awesome. eric stall shane doan yeah. a young jonathan taves and yeah. then for Oiler fans, Cam Ward and Net and Dwayne Rollison. Rolly, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, you they guys were both were... really good. We didn't lose a game. We went like nine and zero in the tournament. We won all our round robin games. We and I don't even think we had like the best team that Canada has ever put on the ice, but we were like super well prepared. Andy Murray was our coach. We had just the right pieces. We had a good checking line at the time. It was like Jamal Mares, Jason Chimera was there and uh Jay McClement and they play all played together in St. Louis, I think at the time. And, um, you know, so they, they were like kind of our, like our, our checking line against a lot of teams, best lines and shut them down. And we had, you know, Rick Nash had a beast of a tournament and, um, you know, we won every game. Like it was, it was awesome. So it was, it was a great experience and we ended up winning gold. So there's no feeling like winning, you know, for team Canada. It's unbelievable. It was unbelievable experience. Yeah, throwing that jersey on must have felt oh, pretty yeah. cool too. Because I mean, right behind winning a Stanley Cup as a kid, as a dream, right? Winning the Stanley Cup yeah. or making the NHL, right in there somewhere. And I, every kid's a little different, but putting on the Team Canada jersey is pretty dang close. Yeah, you know what? Like, I think if you ask my mom, like, what her proudest moment was, was probably that putting on Team Canada jersey. Like, um, yeah, I mean, you get to play for your country. It's like, you know, it's, you know, the sense of pride and feeling is, is unbelievable. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something I cherish a lot. And I got the gold medal framed in there. My, I, once again, my mom kind of set that up and got it done yeah. for me years ago as like a surprise. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the best things of, that I did in my career right there is, is win gold medal. And I actually ended up scoring one goal in the tournament. I was playing on a line with Jordan Stahl, who was 18 year old that year in the NHL. Um, and uh, Jonathan Taves, who was, you know, played world juniors and won gold that year and then came and played with us and won gold as, with, the, with the men's team. <laughs> like that's how good he was. This guy was absolutely insane. Working the half while on like the first or second unit PP as well. Like he was that good. Um, yeah. That, that was our fourth line. Those two and me. And I uh, ended up scoring a, the go a goal to make it like three to two. And then Rick Nash at the end of the game scored the like most epic, like might be one of his best like 
team Canada goals. He had like two fins on his back and he's like in the splits and he like typical, like power, big lanky Rick Nash goal around the goalie with two guys pulling him down and he tucks it in. It's like the nicest goal to make it with like 40 seconds left to make it four two, you know, like they didn't get their goalie out because Rick Nash dominated. And then like that, that goal, that's that one they show all the time. Not my beauty three, two game winner. Like Rick Nash four two, you know, cherry on the top. So thanks, Rick Nash. Just just but. a just a tad bit sour on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I like to say that, but it uh yeah, it's probably one of the nicest goals I've ever seen too. But it was uh, you know, for us to do that. And the the coolest part about it was with like Hockey Canada, like there's there was Canadian fans there, obviously, that travel around and um, you know, media, Canadian media that come cover it. And like we had everyone in our dressing room after the game, like partying and celebrating with us. It was awesome. It was so cool. Like Stevie Y, like it was, oh man, it was, it was awesome. It was just awesome to be around that whole thing and, and do that. So yeah, highlight of, of my playing career, uh, right there for sure. One of at least one of them. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like winning. There's yeah, nothing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What is, you don't what get is, to do it. You don't get to do it very often. You never know how often it's going to happen. So yeah, it, uh, you, like my rebels teams, uh, and then that championship team, like unbelievable. What, uh, you know, speaking of the rebels, you win mm-hmm. a Memorial cup six, five and overtime. Yeah. I assume that night had to have been like a blur. Yeah. Well, like it was, it was cool. We had like all of our families there, all of our billets there, like rebels fans there. So it was just like, it was, it was amazing. And it was like such a grind, you know, like we played like so many games and you got to play that tournament at the end. And it's just like, you don't even know these teams that you're playing against. It's just like mentally, physically, just such a, such a grind, but we beat them six, five in overtime in game one of the tournament too. So like the next, the, we play them in the final and it's six, five again. It's like, crazy i think it was six five the first game two or five four like another shootout you know that the, the memorial cup that year was in regina you must have had a yeah. ton of people that you knew watching yeah oh yeah it was like uh i had buddies come up they drive a couple hours down the road go to a game yeah, and go to a drive, game drive back home you know and um yeah so it was like a home game for me i had everybody there i had aunts and uncles and my mom and dad my sister my brother all their friends and it was a big party for everyone. Of course, it's like a big two week tournament with like, you know, the beer gardens in Regina and like the families were in there every night and everyone's sleeping in everyone's hotel rooms and brothers are sleeping with all the other guys, brothers. And like, it was awesome. It was just a great thing. Well, what is a winning a gold medal in Moscow party? Like, Oh, it was great. Like we were lucky to make our flights. Probably a lot of us the next day. <laughs> It's a quick turnaround though. Like you win, you get together that night, have a little get together and then just guys just start filtering out of the party and they start have to get to the airport for, you know, a 5.30 AM flight. So a lot of guys no sleep and, you know, you kind of get your flight time. So when you're getting out of there and that's it. So comes and goes pretty fast. And the next year you don't see everyone until you play against a lot of those guys, which makes it a lot weirder when you have to, you know, play it in your face kind of, little bit more of a rat styled game against a lot of guys you just won with that you you care a lot about what was playing in you know you 
you go Pittsburgh, you can just tell you those are the best. You, I think you even said it, the best memories of your hockey career come in those years yeah. playing playing for the team that drafted you and now where you're living back and, and you're broadcasting and all that. What was it like going to hockey Mecca world of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Cause I, like, I wanted to go somewhere from Atlanta. I wanted to go like somewhere where, you know, hockey was like big, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where it was well, you awesome. Got so to have, yeah. So to have the Leafs on free agency to come and, you know, um, come and, uh, make me an offer and like a good one too, um, was awesome. So I was kind of like, okay, how, what's their team like, you know, what's, what's happening, who do they got, where, where are they going? Is this a good move? And, um, eventually came and decided like, yeah, this is going to be electric to try to go and, you know, go into the, you know, the pressure cooker that is the Toronto and that is Toronto and playing for, you know, that franchise is, it's insane. What was the first maybe month like? Cause I mean, you just like, <laughs> you went from Atlanta where you're, you know, you joke about being able to yeah. pick every person out of the stands to, yeah. you know, one of the pet peeves of all everybody out West is you flick on Sportsnet and you guys, everybody just talks about the Leafs, right. Or talks, you know, it's, yeah. they're, they're the team. Everybody wants to see, yeah. you know, the the Leafs, you know, they haven't won a cup since well, the sixties, right? Like everything's just on them and it's about them. Yeah. And now you're playing for that team. I have to assume that there is a different type of pressure, buzz, whatever you want to call it. Uh and coming from Atlanta, that had to have been enjoyable, or was it like, oh man, what have I got myself into? No, like I was looking forward to that. Like I was looking forward to being a part of that. And unfortunately, like my two years there, I got hurt like all the time. It was, it went awful for me, not only physically with the injuries, but like mentally the toll it took being injured and, you know, having different expectations for yourself and how it would work out, which is really, really, really tough. But I was like looking forward to being in that situation and being, you know, a part of an organization with the storied history that is Toronto Maple Leafs and going on road games and half the entire stadium being blue, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, the fans all over the place that support the team is, is insane. So, um, you know, I was looking forward to, to that part of it and kind of the excitement that comes with, um, with that and the pressure. Like I, I, I knew expecting that going in there, that there'd be expectations and, you know, a lot more pressure on a, on a team that doesn't do as well. Just a lot more ramifications from, you know, the public and the media and the scrutiny would be a lot more, but um, you know, knowing that going into it, I was, I was excited to go to a place that was like electric. Like I wanted to feel like what that was like. So, you know, to throw on a Leafs Jersey and to go and play in, in that kind of a market um, was incredible. was a great experience. Honestly, it was a great experience getting like you're playing hockey night in Canada every Saturday night. It's like, you're the big ticket. Uh, every time your team steps on the ice, no matter which rink you're in, the fans are crazy everywhere. And they outnumber um, even yeah, in was, the strongest it, of buildings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was cool to experience that, experience that. And, you know, growing up in Saskatoon, like you get a lot of Leaf games, like you have no choice, you know, it's always the Leafs that are on all the time. So, you know, growing up watching a lot of Leaf games, like most Canadians do, um, you know, it was really cool to kind of like 
be a part of that, you know, like your dream of playing in the NHL, you see the Leafs all the time and it's, you know, you're, you're in that spot. Well, you know, you go through everything in your career and you've almost hit like all the big days of, uh, and all the big things of what the NHL has, they got their free agent frenzy, right? You, you've been a part of that. You've been a part of the trade yeah. deadline and then you get to be a part yeah. of not one of the great parts of it. And you know, I've never had anyone on that's been bought out before. How tough was that? You know, when you talk yeah. about the injuries yeah, and, everything. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I've had a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, so the buyout it was, you know, when I was in, in, in Toronto, we had gotten rid of our coach and Randy Carlisle had come in and our team wasn't doing that good. And I was injured a bunch. Like I had a high ankle sprain and a concussion in the same year, missed significant amounts of times within two injuries that literally you're like, can't do anything about, but you know, you can't use your legs. You can't do anything. You got to lay around. It's they're, they're, they're challenging injuries to have. That was in that one year, the first year I blew, tore my hand apart. I hadn't broken. I broke both my feet. Um, you broke both your feet. Yeah. I broke my foot. I broke my foot in training camp blocking a shot. And then at the end of the year, I got shut down like the last 10, 15 games by blocking another shot. And I broke my other foot. And then in the middle of that, I had surgery on my knuckle. I, my tendon like ripped off of my knuckle and they had to sew like my hand. I couldn't like pick up my hand. Like they had to sew it back on. So I had like just a rash of injuries while I was there in those two years. Um, that were just, you know, didn't let me get my wheels turning really at all. So, you know, when the buyout kind of came around, I was like mentally tapped out anyways, to the point with, you know, just trying to battle through like, you know, 10 different injuries and playing hurt like all the time. Like it was, it was so frustrating and it's beyond mentally tiring uh, to deal with that. So I kind of was just like, okay, like I looked at it as a good thing. Like I just needed a fresh start. I just needed to get out of there and, you know, maybe this is the best thing for me at the time because, you know, I was, I was spinning my wheels bad. I couldn't get any traction. I couldn't stay healthy. And, you know, they just hired a new coach and, and I was trying to come back off a concussion at the end and barely playing. And I was in and out of the lineup at the end of the year. So it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. And, uh, you know, to be free and to get out of there and kind of <clears throat> get rid of some of the demons that I had at the time with the injuries that I'd going through and get a fresh start was probably the best thing. For me so when I got bought out I was kind of like good yeah you know good I'm done like it's it's over you know that's just then, the way it worked out and then you sign with their arch nemesis <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Michelle Terrian goes to Montreal and sure enough he gets hired as the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens I get bought out and then uh free agent frenzy comes around again uh, two days before that I was bought out and, or one day before that and you know, the next day I signed with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, just to, and that was the lockout shortened season. That was my last year in the NHL. So it was, uh, you know, to go from one team, storied franchise to another, to another team in Montreal. It was, uh, you know, to put on, a, I, I grew up a Habs fan, actually. I was like the lonely Habs fan in Saskatoon. So to, uh, to put on the jersey and play there. And we made the playoffs that year as well. It was, it was awesome. You played with Ryan Whitney. And Paul Biznat. I've listened to you on Spitting Chicklets. I've had oh, yeah. the, I've had the opportunity to sit down with with Biz Nasty. I don't know how the hell I pulled that off, but yeah. I did get it. Is it any surprise to you what they're doing, or did you like being around those teams? Was Spitting Chicklets something you're like, geez, if it was going to be pulled off, those two <laughs> yahoos would do it. Um, 
I am surprised, but I'm not. I don't know. It's weird. Like, you know, Wits are like a super smart guy. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, I thought he, I, when I played with him here in Pittsburgh, he was really good, like really good defenseman. He was really good for us, like nice skaters, like tape to tape, first pass, like shot passes, heads up. Like he was, he was a smooth, really good, smooth player. But he was like really smart and quick and witty. Like you hear him on Spit and Chicklets, how good he is. And I love listening to them to him on there. And he does such a really good job. Um, he's just like an easy, fun guy to be around. Um, and Biz, on the other hand, was like a camp and he has a hundred million questions and he's just like one way, then he's going another way. And that's just kind of the way he was. Um, did I think they'd both be involved in media or like doing something? I, I don't think I would have thought that first of them, but to see what they've been able to do now and the way that they do it, the style that they've chosen to done it, uh, do it in, um, uh, has taken off like wildfire, man. And like everyone listens to them. They're, I, are they probably not the number one podcast in hockey? Oh, they're the number one um, hockey. The only one that comes close to it, I, w- I would. 31 thoughts, it. probably. 31 thoughts. That, I was just yeah. going to throw out a guess and say 31 thoughts. Yeah, like I would guess that. So, I mean, they just do it so differently. It's just, you know, Raw, yeah, they, get guys story, they get guys' stories and guys, you know, talking hockey, hockey guys and, you know, relatable to the people that they're talking to for the most part. And, uh, I don't know. They're just characters. Right. And I think, um, you know, the way they deliver a lot of their stuff is like unique and different than we've heard ever before in hockey, especially hockey. Unless you're a hockey player, because what they've done is they've taken what every hockey player knows goes on the room and put it on a podcast. And so it's relatable to anyone who's ever suited up. And if you've never suited up and wonder what goes on, now you get to hear it. Yeah, and then you have RA with this like super thick Boston accent that's like the host of the show, which adds like another flavor to it altogether. And you know, he's like the old guy that knows all the movies. And then you got these two like donkeys that don't like they're like, "What are you talking about?" Like it's just a really good mix of uh, you know three different guys that you know, like you said, bring you know behind the scenes chatter kind of right onto their podcast for people to hear. So yeah, they 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 found a ton of success doing it and um, they're doing a great job. And I think, you know, to the point where I think their voices in the hockey world, actually, you know, it's not just fun. Like people wait for their opinion and their take on certain issues inside of the game. So, you know, they've been, they've been pretty big uh, in the hockey world, I think, as far as, you know, um, you know, dealing with, with certain topics and, you know, lending, you know, the spit and chicklets voice on certain uh, trends and topics and stories. So, yeah, they're pretty heavy hitters uh, in the media world with hockey and the NHL. How about and, I, and by the sounds of it, by the sounds of it, so they, they get questions. I always, when I listen to them, they're like, hey, you guys going to get anyone from Detroit on? Like, we try, like, we can't get any. Like, teams are kind of nervous of their guys possibly going on there, too, it sounds like. So, uh, you know, they're kind of in that risky territory as well. Yeah, except every player wants to go on. Yeah, right. Like they've got, they've gotten to that stat that status. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're pretty fun if you can get on there. So they got, you know, and we've gotten to see like Keith Yandel, like the guys played in Florida and Arizona, and like yeah, he's played for the Rangers, but like no one would ever really know like what his personality was like if it wasn't for that. Probably, and, yeah. You know, and Hayes and Philly, who's a big buddy of theirs, who comes on and like yeah, I love listening to that guy. That guy just seems like a great guy you want to hang out with. So. 
you know, you've gotten to, you've gotten to see a lot of guys for like, you know, they're, they're, you know, what they're really like uh, when they go on with those guys, they're really, you know, it's been interesting seeing how it's kind of blossomed. I don't know how many episodes or seasons they're into now, but um, I'll tell you what, a lot of people, I talk to people randomly on the street and I've been on spit and chicklets, I think twice. And people yell at me, spit and chicklets, like uh, I'm on the show. So it's, it's, it's pretty funny sometimes. Yeah. How about yourself? I was going to ask you, what was it about uh, media that did you know, like when your season or your career was coming to a, to an end that you're like, you know what, I really want to get involved. Well, I always enjoyed, like we talked about, like just doing the interviews. And um, when I was in junior, I always did the interviews, loved like on the camera, joking around, horsing around, um, got to pro hockey. They did a reality show type thing on our first season in Wilkesbury and kind of behind the scenes of trying to make it to the NHL. And, um, you know, I enjoyed that. I had fun with that. And uh, I think kind of always in the back of my head, I had an idea that like that might be something I'm interested in. And then when I went to Toronto, like not even thinking post career, it probably really helped me a lot to just, you know, you know, people to know who you are a lot more. Um, and you're doing a lot more stuff like that on, you know, on our national um, broadcast uh, across Canada, people see your face and know who you are. And I uh, was able to do um, uh, a playoff series when I lost, we didn't make the playoffs in Toronto and Berkey's like, Hey, they want you to go on, uh, you know, the panel here. And, you know, if you want to do it, I think it'd be a really good opportunity for you. Um, and so I did that. I also did, when would I do that? I was playing in Atlanta and I went and did the finals for Sportsnet at the time who didn't like cover the game. We just did like the pregame. They did the pregame show and then the postgame show. And um, they asked me if I'd come down like Darren Millard, Kiprios. And it was like John Garrett, I think at the time who were doing it. And so I flew down to the final and Pittsburgh against <laughs> Detroit in the final, <laughs> no. the year I got traded. Talk about torturing yourself. So I was like sitting on it. I was like, Oh my God, this could be awful. Like this is like pure torture being here, but um, they wanted some insight on the Penguins team. And uh, I just played with them a few months prior to that. So it was, it was kind of an eye-opening experience for me to do it, but you're doing it as a player. So you're not really thinking the same as you are uh, now that it's a job and the preparation that goes into it and being ready every single night and every game and the trends and what's happening around the league and staying on top of it and staying up till, you know, one thirty in the morning to finish watching Arizona against Vancouver on the West coast and in, in a shootout for no stupid reason, what am I doing? And I'm watching the damn thing just because I got to watch all hockey games and I love watching hockey, but I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? What the heck am I doing right now? But, uh, you know, playing in Toronto, playing in Montreal, playing in those A markets, playing around, you know, um, teams that, you know, have 30 person media scrum after every single game or 40, whoever's in there. It's just crazy. Um, put me in a good position, I think, post-career with the interest of doing it. Who knew if I was going to be good or bad? I didn't know, but I got an opportunity and the door was opened up for me um, and I worked at it and you know, I've been critiqued and I've gotten advice and I've tried to get better. And I think slowly over the last few years, I've gotten better every year. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. I think I've gotten better every year. And, um, you know, when the camera turns on and you're live sitting on a, uh, on a desk with your suit on and guy talking in your ear, it's uh, 
on live TV with no scripts, no, you know, there's no screen, like none of our hosts, nobody has like those teleprompters, nothing. It's, it's freewheeling live, live shows, live chatting, like on the fly, uh, a few topics you want to talk about, but it's, I mean, you know, to, to sit there and, and go through that, you know, takes a lot of reps before you actually can feel comfortable and, and understand and good and know what you're, you're kind of doing. Like most nights still, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I have no clue what I'm going to do. Like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. I was like, what's going on, but it's hockey, right? Like I've done it my whole life. So like, after I kind of calmed myself down a little bit, I'm like, okay, settle in here. Like just have some fun. It's hockey. This has got to be torture for you right now. Not having any hockey, right? It's just like, no, I got nothing. Yeah. I literally got, I got nothing, man. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm trying to lose weight. I got a, I'm eating like a rabbit right now, just salads all day. I'm like chasing my kids around. I don't do anything. We had a nice day today. I got to go outside. That was cool. Uh, yeah, like we're, we got no hockey. We got nothing. I got nothing, buddy. I got nothing. Okay. Well, I, I will go, I got the crude master final five. It's the last five questions. Right. Nice and quick for you. Kind of like a, a rapid fire. Like you uh, guys like to do um, crude master uh, local business here. Shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. They've been supporting me since the beginning. Um, Shout out. If, if you could pick your line mates, who would you want to be in a line with? Oof. Anyone. Current or past. Oof. I would pick Kirk Muller and Peter Forsberg. I don't know. That sounds good. Slight on Sid the kid. Really? I'm... I played with him already. <laughs> and I was good? thinking like, Man, I, I got to play on a line with Mario at camp one year too, just for one day, one day. So I got that. So I'm thinking, and I grew up a Habs fan and I love Kirk Muller, man. I, I don't know why I love Kirk Muller. He's like the greatest thing. Uh, and then I loved like Mike Medano and Peter Forsberg. So I kind of was like, man, I played against Peter Forsberg. That was really like, that was really cool. Mike Medano played against him, but like, it'd be cool to play on, on those guys line. I'll say those guys here. If you could sit down with one person to have a beverage of your choice to pick their brain, who would you want? Oof. Interesting. You know, like, I think a guy that I find pretty interesting who you brought up that would be really cool to sit and hang out with is Joe Rogan. Like, his podcast is super big, but, like, on top of it, like, everything that he's into and just how interesting of a guy he is and, like, how cool and fun he seems and, like, he knows a little bit about everything. Like, it's just, like, he's, like, got, like what's going on with him, you know? It would be a really interesting, cool guy to sit down and kind of see what's going on in there. Well, he's on my bucket list for this thing. I would love nothing. Oh more my than God! Can you imagine? Where no. what, where would you go with that conversation? You go anywhere, aliens to working out to UFC to comedy to, I mean, he does it. He can he can do it all. He's a pretty interesting guy. He's a, he's a fascinating guy. Fascinating, and he, right? And, yeah. and he and he talks so well. And yeah, very well. When he's when he's, uh, I mean. When he talks about such hot topic issues, he gets a lot of scrutiny too from both sides, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he deals with that so well too. Like he just, yeah. he'd be fantastic to sit and have a beer with. Yeah, be like, like the amount of questions you could just ask him would be. Uh, there would be limited. no script needed. 
I mean, yeah, it, it just, no. just let her go. It'd be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. If you were sitting on a round table, three other hosts, co-hosts, participants, who would you want to be on a round table with? A hot stove. Like with the people like in media? Yeah. Oof. Let's start with the host. With the host. Well, I guess you got to go, you got to go Ron McLean. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got to go Ron McLean. Um, <clears throat> a guy that I've really appreciated and liked in my time since starting has been a really big help for me. Jeff Merrick's guy I work with right now. And he's kind of like a hipster hockey hipster guy. He's a really intriguing guy himself. <laughs> um, and just really smart guy. And there's a guy, there's a guy's mind you could get into too, but, uh, He's he's easy to work with, and he makes everything really comfortable. He's you know really good guy to hang out with. Um, and I would say my partner in crime uh, the last few years now, Carolyn Cameron, who's came on to hockey the last couple of years and hosts a show I do every Monday, Tuesday night, Hockey Central, and um, talk about a good teammate. She's been she's been awesome. She's like a pro. She's so well prepared. She knows hockey. She's fun to work with she you know we have a great time together every night I'm up there and <clears throat> working together so it's uh it's been it's been kind of good you know when you have a teammate and we've been together now for the last two years every Monday and Tuesday night so it's it's comfortable being on air with her so I'd, I'd put her right up there with with uh those other two what's one COVID hobby you have currently Oof. I've been taking a lot of baths I never take baths. I'm a huge shower guy, but I've been really, uh, been really testing the waters on baths lately. And I, I, I like it. I got to say before I came down and on the podcast with you tonight, I jumped in for a quick bone soak up there, just relaxed, no kids, just a full bath. I never take, who takes baths like adults take baths. I don't know. I'm, I'm COVID. I'm, I'm, I'm quarantining with a bath hobby. I'm bathing, bathing, whatever you call it. <laughs> that is, I've been asking that question now for a month and that is by far the best answer <laughs> I've heard bar none. I'm taking like a bath a day almost. I'll say that. Like I, like every once in a while, I'm like, got nothing to do. I'm like looking around, like nothing's going on. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go up. I'm going to throw on the show I'm watching right now on my Netflix or wherever you're watching. And I'm just going to set it up, put on my headphones and just take a bath. Unbelievable quarantine move right there. Unbelievable. So that's what, that's what I think. Yeah. I don't know why I never really do that. Well, your final question before I let you go, you, uh, you mentioned uh, since you've been on uh, Sportsnet that you've been, every year, every day kind of improving. What's one of the best pieces mm. of advice you've learned while you've been there like, to help? The best piece of advice mixed with the most confusing piece of advice that actually translate to being really right is just be yourself. And it sounds weird. It's like, yeah, duh. Like uh, who else am I going to be when you go up there? But like, I'm telling you when, sorry, I'm, I'm telling you when you do live TV, and it's kind of awkward and you're sitting not facing each other at a desk facing cameras and you're stuffed in suits and looking all nice 
and they say, you know, just a couple guys up there talking hockey like you would at a bar with some buddies. You know, I always hear this. And I'll just go up there and be yourself. But for you to get to a point where you're comfortable enough to actually understand like what yourself is in that moment um, is tough. So it takes some time to get there, but just be yourself is probably the best piece of advice I've gotten, obviously with no tr going to school or training, um, just having, you know, my experiences and, and life in hockey being, you know, something as I played, uh, I was a player. So I have to bring that and I have to bring my personality. And I think I try to make it entertaining and I think our game's fun and awesome. And we have really good players and I love showing how great guys are. And, um, you know, at the same time, I, I just go out there and sometimes I black out, but I end up just being myself. And I think, you know, over the years through doing that, you get more comfortable and you get better. Well, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a, it's been a yeah. fun couple of hours. I am going to let you get back to your kids now if they are still awake. Um, right, but, but thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. All right. Say hi to everybody in Lloyd and uh, everybody in Saskatchewan, everyone listening, stay safe. Your sponsors, thanks to them for hooking you up. Look at your studio. You're looking really, really good. Um, and uh, thanks for having me on. It was great just chatting hockey, man. I've been dying. Like when you wanted to chat, I'm like, let's go. So uh, I was ready to go. It was great chatting with you and good luck um, with your future podcasts and everything else you're doing and with your, with your kids and young family. Well, thank you very much. Right back at I'm gonna you. Go, I'm going to go take a bath. All right. <laughs> hey, folks. Thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.